This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Day three of the London saga for Jacksonville and the city of Jacksonville and the Jaguars and the fans. Here we are for you once again if you want to go there. We'll have a couple of uh, ideas on the London conversation that might be different than the last couple of days but i gotta be honest with you it is what it is so if you want to continue the conversation you're more than welcome 904-362-9901 star star 690 we're here for you but uh if you are a little fatigued on that conversation we may advance it to some other conversations as well it's the nba trade deadline there's gonna be two and a half hours of that today Coos. driving dish podcast let's just talk nba whoa stop Woj bombs. Woj bombs all over the place, Woj, Brent. Woj is done. I mean, turn the phone off, Woj. It's 3 o'clock. The deadline is hit. I'm sure he's got another trick up his sleeve. I was, sleeve, I was having trouble sleeping new. last night because, you know, like, my phone's just buzzing, and I'm like, oh, is it a trade? Oh, is it a trade? And then I woke up to a friend. How do you think about the Sixers trade? And I'm like, oh, no, I missed one. Give me one trade you were like, oh, wow, or got excited about. I'm I'm happy Iggy's going to uh, Miami. I feel bad for Justice Winslow because his injuries kind of kept him off the court the past, was specifically this year and last year. Um, so him going to Memphis, I kind of like that idea, but um, I feel like he's being sent away because he couldn't get healthy, which I would, I never really liked that. Uh, Wiggins goes to the Warriors, right? And D'Angelo Russell, that's one Ty just said. Uh, oh, that's uh, a big one. Uh, Wiggins. Is he just a guy in the so, NBA? Whatever happened what's, to What's Wiggins? funny with Wiggins is he's averaging, like, you'll look at his numbers just without him on the court. And he's like, you know, 19 points per game and yeah. six assists and, say, six rebounds. And you're like, okay, that's pretty productive. But then you look at, like, the advanced numbers and, like, the team's worse with him on the court. They're slower. They're this. They're that. And they, they obviously can't get a win. They're, they're having some struggles right now. Yeah, they lost 13 in a row, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's it's one of those things that it's just – you, you feel bad for him because you're not really sure what it is. A lot of people say he's, like, he's not putting up the effort. But then I'm like, what? But he's putting up like 18, 19 points a game. Like it's, That's effort, right? So it's a, it's a really weird NBA debate. Well, I think it's from the standpoint, too, when Butler was there, obviously he was the third fiddle, right? Because you had Jimmy Butler, you had KAT. Now Jimmy Butler's gone, and I feel like Wiggins hasn't really progressed to that next level. You and know, he's he just being, kind of he's being paid like, yeah, like he needs to be that kick. guy, and yeah. he was picked like he was going to be that guy. I mean, you know, with the the Cavs and then traded and all that stuff. So that was a big part of it too. I think the expectation that comes with being the first round pick. He needs to be Robin, and he's robbing them instead. Yeah, uh, uh, put Brent, yeah. Yes. Yo, that's what I'm here for uh, <laughs> when it comes to the NBA. Uh, you know, interesting trade deadlines are fascinating in sports. I love the base- baseball trade deadline, uh, but I'm a bigger baseball fan than I am an NBA fan. Mm-hmm. There, the trades in the NFL have gone up as of late, but it's still nothing like Major League Baseball and NBA trade deadline where everybody kind of gets jacked up about it. There's a weird sense of the NBA for me that so many people are moving and going and I can't follow along where the heck they are anymore, you know, mm-hmm. because there are so many talented players. Say, take a Wiggins. You'd be like, you almost have to Google, okay, wh- is he still Minnesota? Is yeah. now, okay, he's Golden. You know, it hit you like six months later that he's no longer in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So I almost think they have too much like movement with their like BC level stars. 
you know, you can't even find them anymore. There's well, and I'd so even say it's with the stars too. I mean, look at the players. Like, who's been on their? Who is still with their original team? But Maybe you're Steph always Curry. Gonna follow them though. You know, like you always know where those guys are. You'll know where Harden Draymond is. Green too. You'll know where Westbrook Giannis. is. Giannis. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're gonna yeah. know where those guys are. Yeah. But, but the other guys that are kind of the again the C level stars and B level stars, which there's a lot of those in the NBA. A lot of talent. Mm-hmm. A lot of good names. Names that people know, but you have no idea where they exist anymore. Uh, most of the time. And I think it's almost confusing at the deadline uh, more than, than anything else. All right, I was kidding. We're not talking two and a half hours of the NBA today. Sorry, Cruz. I promise you that. We thought of something yesterday, leaving the show, because mm-hmm. we were talking about Travis Kelsey, and Kelsey's like the, the human sound. By the way, right I've I've watched his uh, speech about 25 times now. Yeah, I mean, you love it. Oh, it's hilarious, man. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's absolutely everything that he personifies. And listen, I, I understand... Some people might say, especially non-Chiefs fans, are going to say he comes across as cocky. But, dude, obviously... Well, of course he, he comes across as cocky. Okay, He's a cocky player. He's an arrogant the dude player. had a couple basic beverages, number one. <laughs> and number two, you just won the Super Bowl, man. Have fun. Like, Do I need to remind you what his brother, Jason Kelsey, said back in 2017? Because it was kind of on those same lines. Remember Kelsey comes, Jason Kelsey comes out wearing that crazy outfit, like yeah, the Mardi yeah. Gras outfit? So, He's kind of quiet yeah. offensive lineman guy, so yeah. it surprised everybody. Well, he's a center, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very yeah. unassuming. But here's the deal, though, with Kelsey, which is interesting. What we were thinking of yesterday when we're hearing all this stuff, and we said this last week during Super Bowl week, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey were like the identities and personalities of their respective teams. I mean, it's, Mahomes is the identity. Mahomes is the face of Kansas City. But the personality of Kansas City is Travis Kelsey. Correct. Like Andy Reid has no personality no. other than saying he likes cheeseburgers. Yeah. And spent time with his trophy wife instead of his trophy <laughs> uh, after winning the Super Bowl. But, you know, Tr- Kelsey's kind of that personality. Well, Gronk was the personality in New England. And so it was. it's fascinating to see not only is the tight end positioner, you know, important these days because you can go back to Zach Ertz. And, and I'm not talking personality-wise, but production-wise. Yeah. And just how key those tight ends have been. But the Jags have hadn't had any of that because of the lack of tight ends. But the personality of your your team being the tight end is interesting. But it also spun off something else. It's like the new white position in sports. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And, and, and this was you came up with this, and at first I was like, "Whoa, Brent, now let's pump your brakes a little bit. Let's I not get, let's let's careful not get here. Hey, 2020. You know what I'm saying? Let's let's not get uh, called out here on Twitter. But then, like doing some more research and just kind of talking to you about it, I'm like. It kind of does make a lot of sense. It's it's interesting, right? Yeah. You know, because a lot of people would say the white position in football is is quarterback. Quarterback. Yeah. Well, and it has been for a long time. And the, and the conversation about the black quarterback has always been a conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, is it that way anymore when Patrick Mahomes is the face of the NFL? Russell Wilson has been for the last decade one of the faces of the NFL. The MVP Lamar is Lamar Jackson. Jackson. I mean, is that really a conversation point? In, well, and by the way... That's great. The black quarterback conversation can now kind of go in the rear view mm. and look at the black quarterback now, and we, it doesn't have that stigma to it. And and I don't say this in a condescending way or an, in a race-related way. It's just ironic that right now the tight end position is kind of the new white position. It is. There's uh, there's there's okay <laughs> black players at the tight end spot. I mean, and yeah, there have you, would, been. you would name like Evan Ingram. You know, when he's healthy, he's he's a pretty legit player. I would I would point to Darren Wall. I think it's probably the best one right now. Um, and in my opinion, should have been comeback player of the year. I I, I get giving it to Ryan Tannehill. I understand that, but dude, Darren Waller's story yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in um you know in Oakland now Las Vegas. It was it was it was one for like a Disney movie. You know, like I wouldn't be surprised if Disney releases some kind of movie about that because what that dude went through, going through rehab and everything, kind of just you know. 
being on the bottom barrel and somehow just rising above man and being a pro bowler and being a, a legit tight end in the league pretty impressive yeah uh people get antsy a little bit we talk black and white positions um, oh yeah but it, it kind of that's what got us thinking a little bit yesterday sure. but i want to talk about the tight end position a little bit more and just how uh, see the kelsey stuff coming on with the parade and all that it also speaks to something we've talked about a lot here in, on this show and branding he is so aware of the branding this guy wants a career in wwe or yeah. aew sometime down the road yeah. he wants his second career to be as a performer of some kind whether it's an entertainer in hollywood whether it's an entertainer in the wrestling scene maybe it's an mma career down the road. i don't know it's, what it is it, it's but, simple where where gronk left off gronk passed on the torch and travis kelsey took it he took it simple as that he did take it yeah and by the way george George Kittle's way out west, and he's a character in his own right. He is. He's also a big wrestling fan, by the way. He's not as loud and obnoxious at times, I think, could come across as Kelsey. See, and I think that's the other part. Kelsey now, see, Kelsey's, you're either all in or you're out on Kelsey. He's that personality, right? You either love the guy or you're like, God, he drives me nuts. You know, he's one of those guys that you want well, on your team yeah. or you don't like him at all. And, and listen, I mean, I, I've shared this story a couple times, and I shared it when I interviewed him. I mean, one of my first experiences with Travis Kelsey, we're going through training camp, and, you know, we're, we're going 11 on 11, good or whatever, and he scores a touchdown and literally proceeds to punt the ball in the stance. And just, like, all of a sudden, everyone's just like, dude, what are you doing? And the part of the ball, and, like, we had to stop practice. Andy Reid shoot him up, and I remember thinking, like, there's no way this guy's gonna last. Like th- th- this guy just does not get it. Like you, you can't score a touchdown during a scrimmage, punt the ball in the stands, and then just like expect nothing's gonna happen to you. Especially being a rookie. Yeah. But um, he, he obviously grew up a little bit. Uh, he did grow up a little bit, I yeah. guess. And he's now like well, the he's star. A, he's a team captain. Don't forget, yeah, too. true. So. He's a star. But uh, what uh, my point there is, do you kind of like? Is he going to be the guy that you don't like the Chiefs because of? Because yeah. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are like easy to like. They have some bad, somewhat apples from the percep- public perception. Tyreek Tyree Hill, Frank Clark, yeah. those guys are not like super citizens of, uh, at least from, from their past and what they've made headlines for. Yeah. But this guy might be the guy, when you see him after a parade, you say, gosh, I hope they never win again. I don't want to <laughs> see that ever again. And yeah. Gronk became that a little bit in New England. Right? It wasn't Brady that became that. It was Gronk mm-hmm. that became that. Yeah. And guys become that once because. We want to be able to tear down that, that team that we think is going to be really good for a long time. It's yeah. cute one time. It's maybe even okay a second time. But if the Chiefs and Mahomes start winning, they will soon become the Patriots, Duke, the Yankees, all those other teams that we want to see just fail and we can't wait to, to break them down. I'm going to be honest, though. When it comes to Gronk, I think there's a difference between when he played and Travis Kelsey from their persona because I feel like Gronk was so unaware, you know, like he was just being himself. And well, like, yeah, that's well, probably and, and true. to be fair, like <laughs> w- when it comes to spiking, I mean, did you watch him on New Year's, Brent? Okay, but like, listen, when that it comes might to just be who Gronk is. Yeah, yes, but, that's true. But like, I mean, if, <laughs> obviously, if you're, you know, if you're not a fan of the Patriots, you're probably going to dislike them a lot. But in my opinion, I think it was kind of hard to find reasons to dislike Gronk. Why? Because the guy spikes footballs in the end zone? Like, yeah, yeah. You can't hate on that because every Pop Warner kid who has scored a touchdown has done that before. And from the standpoint of he was never really that cocky. You know, he was just a guy that kind of marched to the beat of his own drum a little bit and kind of gave these crazy sound bites every once in a while. So I think... The difference between Gronk and Travis Kelsey is the standpoint. Travis Kelsey is aware, like he's self-aware. He knows exactly what he's doing, right? Like he had the he had the belt on when he was giving his speech. Yes, like he, did. he knew exactly what he was doing. He was trying to channel his inner Macho Man a little yep. bit, Randy Savage. So he was very self-aware. 
I feel like Gronk just, I don't want to say he fell into it by accident, but he just kind of fell into it by being himself and not really being aware of it. I think it. that's a good point. I think there's an authenticity to Gronk mm-hmm. that it's that's just kind of who he is. Yeah. You know, whether he played football, didn't play football, whether he was a, a junior in high school, a sophomore in college, or a 10-year vet, he's just always been that guy. Mm-hmm. And you either like that or not, but uh, you know you didn't like the Patriots. Of course. So you almost, I, I, that's a good call. You almost, I bet there are a lot of people that like Gronk even though, they didn't want to admit it because it was a, he was a patriot. Sure. Right? Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's fair. That's, that's a pretty good point. So we'll talk a little bit tight ends. It's been a position of need around here. It's been a position that's carried a lot of conversations when it comes to the Jags. But I think it's really a fascinating position right now in the NFL and how important it has become to go deep into the postseason, to be the personality of your football team, to be the production of your football team. I think the Jags, um, well, we've said it ever since the season ended, go sign every human being that has tight end next to his name as a description until it works. It's much like a quarterback spot right now. It's been that absent here in the city of Jacksonville. Uh, And when we come back, we will... Kick off with where is this London stuff at today? Day three. Is the fan pushback working at all? Are there any regrets down there at Jags headquarters? Uh, what's the feeling in, in the city of Jacksonville with the London second home game happening in 2020? And even if it happens in 2020, could some of this blowback prevent maybe an extension where it could happen down the road? Because I've told you all week, I feel like it's headed toward an extension. I wonder if this gives the NFL, the Jags, and everybody downtown a little bit of pause about signing off on that extension because there's still time to rescue that. We'll have that. Your call's welcome, 904-362-9901. Got a couple concert giveaways today once again as well. Hang with us till 6 o'clock. Mom's hanging with us today on oh, the yeah, show. She's in the house. That's like right. It. Mom's in the house. Kids are coming up. It's going to be a family party here at the studios. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. So listen... One more thing is next year we're coming right back here. One more time, baby. Why do they all do that? What's that? Why do they all promise that they're going to win the next year? Dad. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not a bad call. Why? I would just they be happy with the moment. Yeah. Wouldn't you be upset he didn't say multiple years, though? He just said one more. Well, how'd that pan out for James when he went to Miami? And he said, we're not going to win one, not two, win, not yeah, three. Oh, yeah. And what happened there? One, two. It's karma. That's yeah. not enough. Hey, well, it wasn't six, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Yeah. And then he left. <laughs> Before the job so was done. about that, yeah. And we got to do a better job, PR-wise, coaching these guys up on what to say and not to say. I mean, I get it. It's all cliche world. Yeah. But... Give me something different. Come on, Andy. This it sounds like a game for tomorrow goes, where Brent's going to give a Super Bowl speech. Like I, a Super I want a parade Bowl, yeah. speech. Yeah. But if, yeah, he goes, like if he goes up there and he goes, I guarantee next year we're going to have a winning record, people are going to be like, okay. <laughs> How about just say, we're going to try to do this again? Because that's all we can control. That's fair. No, that's a good point. But you, you, like, you got to keep in mind where he's coming from because it's the same spot where I would be coming from. If I was the head coach of an NFL team and we just won the Super Bowl and we got Travis Kelsey gallivanting about Lord knows what because he's obviously had a couple cocktails and we got Patrick Mahomes double fisting beers on the parade, the face of your franchise. Like, I'm just trying to remind the fans, like, yes, this is a fantastic time. We won the Super Bowl, but hey, we're not we're not complacent, right? We're gonna try to win the next one next. 
next year. So I think it's just kind of reminding fans that, yes, we are partying right now. Yes, there's not a lot of guys that are sober right now on the stage with me. <laughs> but you know what? We're going to go back to work in a couple weeks, and we're going to try to win another one. I would have been, I would have felt better if Andy Reid just said, I'm going to eat three cheeseburgers yeah, a day. My treat. Uh, but here's, here's why I see Providence guy in me. Back in the Friar days of Rick Pitino telling everybody he'd never leave Providence, yeah. which was moronic because, yeah. of course, you'd leave Providence when you can end up at Kentucky or the Boston Celtics or Louisville or anywhere else. Correct. Why would you stay in Providence? Yeah. So you can't do that. Mm-hmm. It's dumb. Like, it doesn't help you out doing that. Now, this one's obviously at a much lower level. They're going to try to win. Um, I just need a new line. I, okay. I need to, look, Tom Brady says it. I kind of believe him. Sure. Anybody else says it. I don't believe them. Yeah. It's hard to win back. It's hard to go back to back. Yeah. Well, because like, and they're not going I'll put all the money in the world on it right now. They don't win next year. But to be fair, though, with Tom Brady, it was like after the fourth one, he's like, yeah, here we are. We won again. Like, what else is new? <laughs> yeah, we're good. Uh, I guess we're going to try to win another one. Here know. we go. You know, like, great, what do you want like, the guy? Great when the Patriots won like their sixth one and said, hey, guys. We've thrown enough parades. <laughs> We're not doing it. Just have a little picnic or something? Yeah, not, not even have it. a parade, just a picnic? Everybody yeah. just take a lap around your neighborhood. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. It's getting way too worn out and mundane. Yeah, that's right. I like it. Uh, work productivity going down. Yeah. Uh, Brett Martin, Austin Lane, Coos. We got a full house in here. I, we should get a camera on this whole room. Steph's here. Kaylee's here. Tyler's Hall, here. Hall of Fame Steph, that is. Ma, that's right. Yeah. Mom's here from... Rhode Island, oh, Massachusetts. I always say Rhode Island. Mom lives in Massachusetts technically now. Okay. Her backyard's in Rhode Island. Lives <laughs> in a real? place called Four Town Farm. Dang. So it's like it's there's four cities. Three okay. of them are in Massachusetts. One of them's in Rhode Island. But their backyard is is literally in Rhode Island. Okay. But like I'm not from Massachusetts. I'm from Rhode Island. Sure. So mom can have that little bit of zip code of Massachusetts if she wants, but well, not me. <laughs> how are, how are like the state taxes for each state? Are they pretty much the same? I mean, can we are we do we you know mess around some numbers here? Or what? Uh, which one's worse, mom? Massachusetts or Rhode Island? Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Worse, yeah. Okay. Drivers are worse in Rhode Island too. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> Sounds good. But yeah, Massachusetts is so big. Like if I think Massachusetts, I think it's you're like Boston. Of course. You know? Yeah. We are from Providence. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Uh, but anyway, good to have mom in town for a few days, and uh, we've been hanging out, and uh, now we do a little radio today. Here's uh, speaking of PR. How are the Jags doing right now? <clears throat> I, I mean, I, I, I go first. There's, there's, <laughs> there's nothing going right at Jags headquarters right now, mm-hmm. and the whole London thing. You know what it is. We've been talking about it for days, and like I said, I'll keep. we can keep talking about it. We can make you feel better about it, or you can talk about vent about it. That's fine. There's no other place to take it other than right now there's two home games, and that's in 2020. That's what it is, and that's the move they made, mm-hmm. and the Jags fans are ticked off. Uh, there's Duval Coalition has really been good for the fans to jump on, and I think the Jags downtown are are hearing it. I think they're a little bit surprised at the pushback. I mean, some of the powers that be, they have to be because Shad Khan said on a conference call that he thought there would be a positive reaction. And so there's definitely a little bit of surprise. Too. Okay, I want to ask you about that, Brent. Do you think Shad Khan saying there's going to be a positive reaction, does that come from him or did that come from someone telling him, you know what? It's not going to be that bad. 
Yeah, that's a fair question. Um, I don't know how much of that goes on. Like, I, I don't know how involved PR folks are, and I'm sure. Uh, and I mean, if you're Shad Khan, who's a billionaire guy, do you get coached up on some of the things or what might be asked? I don't know. I, I don't yeah. know where that falls in. Um, or if it's just kind of what you think and what you say. Well, because the, the reason I say that is if you have the PR, like obviously it's PR's job to try to spin everything in favor of what you want, right? So if you're working for Shad Khan, it's be like, yeah, all right, we have to do two games in London, but you know what? It won't be that bad. Like fans should understand this, yada, yada, yada. That's what PR sometimes can do. They kind of um, fix their narrative to their liking, right? Where if you're Shad Khan and you're the billionaire, you know, then it's a little different because then it shows you the owner of your team doesn't really know what the fan base is about. And, and that's question. where the miscommunication comes. Well, so either way. I would be okay if it was the PR trying to purvey that message of, you know what, the fans aren't going to mind this too much, let alone from Shad Khan himself thinking that. Either way, it was, I don't care where it came from. Yeah. We knew beforehand. I tried to tell some people this beforehand, and we turned. We know back. We know Brent, now. Brent was putting out like signals. He's trying to tap some signals, we, man. We now Morris know Cohen. with yeah. all the blowback mm-hmm. that the positive reaction was wrong. So mm-hmm. the feel of that, whether it came, whoever it came from, was wrong. I mean, there is not a good feeling around here because of it. Correct. There's no positivity at all out of it. In fact, you're really reaching if you can find positivity, at least in the immediate. What I believe they should have done is said, and whether it was Lamping Con, the team, however, is, is they really needed to say, we understand there will be some angst about this. We understand the hesitation. We understand what people have said about this city, and that, but we just ask. And I'm not saying this would have worked. There was no good way to deliver this news. Mm-hmm. But they they really just should have acknowledged the fact that, listen, we love your loyalty. We appreciate your loyalty. We're not just shoving you aside here, but you, there's a sense of, I know we've been bad on the field, so this might be hard to say and trust us, but you got to trust us here. We love Jacksonville. We want to be a part of Jacksonville. We've said we're going to be a part of Jacksonville. Our actions have indicated we want to be a part of Jacksonville, but we really believe this is the best way to, down the road, get where we need to be, whether that's 8 to 10, 12 years, and it's hard to ask fans to do that and think that way, but for us – in our organization, for the city, for this team, for everybody, we think this will pay off down the road. And, again, I'm not saying that would have been like, oh, yeah, standing ovation. <laughs> nice job, we're in. Take three games Let's if go. you want. Yeah, 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 yeah no. But it would have at least acknowledged that we get it. We get it. We're mm-hmm. taking some more football away from you, and especially our diehard fans and the people that have been willing to pay and sit there in 100-degree heat and all those things. And bottom line is someone along the way or some people along the way. And right now I just say the Jags organization along the way miscalculated in a major way. And there's no denying that they miscalculated what their message was compared to what the reaction was. But this is where 100 percent of my frustration stems from, though, Brent, because this isn't the first case of that. This has been going on now for the past couple of years. This has been going on when Tom Coughlin said he expects 100 percent participation. Like you're not on the same page there. There's not the good communication. This was on the same page when you had the grievance gate go on and 25 percent of the league grievances were filed by Jacksonville and nobody in that stadium seemed to know. Okay, well, we probably shouldn't be asking Dante Fowler to stay for treatment if he's out of town and stuff like that. So, like, this isn't the first case of that. Now, this could be the first case really involving the fans, yeah, but this has dealt with the players, too. That This has been a collective that's just been growing and growing and growing, and now it's really come to a head here with two games in London. That, and that's fair to say. I do think it's totally unique. 
because even in the Coughlin instance, Coughlin always had to on his his the backbone of whatever he was doing and saying, and even if it wasn't well received, and if and even if it was more grievances than anybody else in the NFL. He had two Lombardi trophies to hold up and say, this is the way I've done it for 25 or 30 years. And this has worked. And it's really worked recently in the last decade. So at least he had that. Again, I'm not saying that was the right way to do it. Did he? Mm. But in, in my view, it's just totally different uh, in that sense. And again, but, when you waver the heartstrings of the fan base, that none of the, what Coughlin did had anything to do with even the heartstrings of the players. Now, did it have to do with something with the wallet of the players? Well, it had something to do with the wallet. But like, you want to talk about, you know, do you kind of lose a feeling for your fans a little bit when you say things like, you know what, we're the fans are going to be happy when this news comes out? Like, do you kind of lose touch with the fan base? Absolutely. I think that answer in the last two days is yes. Well, I think, do you kind of lose touch with the locker room a little bit when you find people for all these uh, erroneous fines? Do you lose kind of that locker room a little bit? The answer was yes. And the answer was yes. So, So that's that's what I'm trying to compare. I I guess what you're saying, there's multiple examples on on the football side now and on the overall side, the business side of it. Uh, Hey, keep the conversation going, 904-362-9901. We'll update you on what some of the fans are saying. And also... I still want to piggyback on something I said yesterday that I still think, and this is not going to let the Jags off the hook for everything, but I don't think there's one segment of this getting enough uh, of the angst. And I brought it up yesterday. uh, Just uh, another point on that about this whole London thing. And where do we see London now? Do you think they will sign an extension? Could the fans prevent this to a degree? Do you think there's some power of the fan right here? Uh, or do they have to kind of move forward as an organization and stick to their own plan? What do the Jags do now, essentially? It's next. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. The young team and the fact that they won 15 games, made it to the Super Bowl after going 4-12 and is, I think, pretty impressive. I think the work ethic and the mindset around the guys here and the selflessness from them, I think that in itself will speak volumes. And just our mindset going into this offseason, guys treat it the right way. I think we'll have every opportunity in the world to go back. That's George Kittle. I wonder what his reaction would have been if they did throw the parade and won. Parade in San Francisco. Gosh, that's got to be awful. Can you imagine the traffic there? The hills. Well, they've done it in Boston. That's tough. Well, Kansas I mean, City they, is like easy They've enough. done it in Golden, well, Golden State. everywhere. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess Golden, Golden State, State. Man. I don't A remember the times. parade uh, for Golden State. I don't really remember either. Yeah, it's California. <laughs> <laughs> They'll find a way. Have, well, have you seen the L.A. Kings Stanley Cup parade when yeah, they won it? They should, that's yeah. what I mean. They should just parade hey, over the I Golden had more people Gate at my Bridge. graduation cheering on than the L.A. Kings did for their Stanley Cup ceremony. Just saying. <laughs> well, not too many people thought you were going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right you are there. <laughs> I, I didn't think I was going to make it, to tell you the truth. Uh, Brett Martin Austin Lane. Coos here on a Thursday. What day is it is an interesting one this week. Super Bowl hangover we all have. Yeah. Uh, But uh, it is Thursday. And it's been a wild week in Jacksonville. London Stories continues to be a big one. Give us an update of what you're seeing. I know Jax Boz just uh, tweeted at us and said about the this Duval coalition we told you about yesterday was basically it's not just the BCB thing, Bold City mm-hmm. Brigade, but Bold City Brigade and a lot of the folks that really have, have ramped that up over the years and done such a great job with it and that diehard fan base of the Jags. And uh, we've done it on our show, right, bringing the brigade. We've done had a bunch of guys on because of it. Um they started this Duval Coalition, which is bigger than just the brigade. It's anybody. Mm-hmm. It, it, Tail Street, Hooligans, Jags fan, anybody. And so 
they've done very well. I know yesterday we reported that the website shut down about 40 minutes in, and I think their numbers continue to grow and grow. I saw it last night, and it was uh, they're calculating the numbers as they go, and people sign up for it. And Jax Boz, uh, who listens to our show, tweeted at us and said something to the effect of, of Lampig's going to meet with this Duval coalition, right? Uh, yeah, so basically what he said was the Times Union and Lamping have responded to them. Wait, I'm sorry. Yeah, Times Union said Lamping responded to the coalition and saying he'll meet with them um, sometime in the future. Yeah, in fact, uh, Jack Spaz just sent to me. We've heard back from uh, the Times Union said... Uh, we've heard back from Jaguars president Mark Lamping. We look forward to having productive dialogue with the group, which, as I understand it, consists of season ticket members and local business owners. It's important for us to listen to our fans. So uh, Emily Block from the Times Union sharing uh, that today and, and uh, Jack Spaz uh, passing that along. So, well, that's good. I mean, you're going to listen. I, I've said this. I've actually proposed this to some folks that I know um, down in downtown and said, why not do like a town hall? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. with the fans, because there's such an angst. And this was before this, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but I kind of knew where this was headed. <laughs> so to reach out and make fans part of the conversation is an important thing. And I do think what fans thought here is they got blindsided by another game, even though there had been discussion of another game. But a lot of those fans thought that, that another another game would come either as a road game and didn't fully understand the context of maybe having another home game or next year when they go to potentially 17 games and there could be a neutral site game if the CBA approves that and, and, and says that that's what they're going to do with 17 games, then it would be another one. So you actually wouldn't lose the amount of home games that you have in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Well, this one here in 2020 said you are losing a game. We're taking it away from you. Yeah. And much like anything else in the world, no matter what it is, whether it's a baby or an adult, nobody likes to have anything taken away from them. And the Jags fans think that they're taking stuff away from them without much communication on the front. And to a degree, you can't share everything you're going to do with everybody in town because then you're not protecting anything you might do. If it, What happens if it falls through, all those things. But I do think Lamping reaching out to this group and to other groups is a good sign of communication. I think the end game is not, hey, guess what? We're pulling that game back. Now, now we're going to have seven games here in Jacksonville. No, they're playing two games in London in 2020. That's Mm -hmm. what's happening. And that's not changing. But I do think it could change the next three. And I believe that's where we're headed two days ago. We're headed to an extension that would see for the next four years. And they hinted at that. They hinted while Lot J is hopefully being built, this could help subsidize the local revenue. We get Lot J up and running and bam, we can pull that game back. And we still have the one game in London, but it doesn't have to be two. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm totally paraphrasing here. I'm not quoting anybody as saying it, but I think that's the idea. And I wonder now with all this pushback, if even the Jags will say, wait a minute, let's hold off on that next three year thing. Uh, maybe the fans have a point, you know, and and maybe they're going to show us in a bigger way in these renewals and season ticket holders this year that they have a loud voice in this. Let me ask you this question, though. Two games in London, this falls directly on the owner. The, the owner's the guy that has the money, and he's the guy that has the final say. So this falls on Shad Khan. I guess my question to you is, are you a little surprised that it's Lamping that is being sent to meet with the coalition, not Shad Khan himself? Yeah, I, listen, um, I think Lamping is – I give Lamping a ton of credit 
when it comes to a lot of Jacksonville things that have gone well. Mm-hmm. I know what people are snarky. <laughs> the snarky people are saying right now, like what, Brent? <laughs> but, you know, I, I do think he's done some really good things. And sure. I think he's a smart guy. I mm-hmm. do. Uh, and I've long said I think he's a superstar down there and doesn't get a ton of the credit. So I think this in a lot of ways, while it's approved by Shad Khan, while it's also thought of by others, I think Lamping is heavily involved in this, heavily involved in making it work. And I think he knows these ins and outs and he's got the boots on the ground. And and I, I just think he has all like when you ask a question to Lamping about this stuff, man, he knows it detail by detail by detail by detail. It's really impressive, you know. So he's uh, probably the better man to talk I, to. I is think what he's you're the saying. better from a detailed point of view, the better person to talk to about all the ins and outs. What's it mean down the road? What's it mean right now? What are people saying here locally? I think he is. Now, whether that's right or wrong, we can debate that. But I just think he is probably the better voice right now for the fans and others. And I think they're figuring that out. What do we need to say? What's the message now? Again, this is too late in a way because I don't know if they saw all this coming. But now they're they're not necessarily backtracking on the decision. But I do believe that they are at least acknowledging, whoa, this is some blowback that we might not have anticipated. I just tweeted this out and uh, we'll we'll come back uh, in in a moment or two. But I really I said this yesterday and I still I see a lot on social media. I see a lot of the angst that people I talk to. It's all about Shad Khan and Mark Lamping and and look what the organization has done. I don't know if the city's getting enough blame here, in my view. I, I think this is a huge leverage play. The more and more I think about it. And unfortunately, the fans are the ones being leveraged here. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a leverage play. Shad Khan, if you go back and think about what Shad Khan has told us over the years, he says, I don't want to stand still. I want to do this. I think we can do something here. I think we can build here. I think he said that for at least five years and nothing is happening in that regard other than what he puts his own money into in a big way in the stadium with the video boards and Daly's place. Mm-hmm. So I shouldn't say nothing has happened. But the next step of that has not happened. Started with the shipyards. Now it's gone to Lot J. There's still one. I mean, there was talk that that ramp would have already started coming down by now uh, here in February. There was talk that the shovel would maybe already be in the ground in Lot J if you go back a year and a half ago. And here we are. It's still not approved. And we're probably going to get to the summer until that happens. I think in many respects, this is a little bit of leverage against the city to say, do you guys want to move this thing forward or what? We are here to help you move this forward. And you guys are not doing anything. Again, I'm talking from a, a Shad Khan lamping standpoint. It's like they have continuously said we believe in Jacksonville. It's bigger than football. It's about the city of Jacksonville. Yet the city of Jacksonville continues to, whether it's because of politics and red tape or whatever else or opposition, they have continued to, well, kind of stand pat. Uh, and I'm not sure they're supposed to do everything Shad Khan wants them to do. I'm not into the politics stuff. I'm just telling you from a leverage standpoint, I think this is what it's about. And I think it's it's short term leverage on lot J and potentially the shipyards to get stuff going after a five year wait. And I think it's long term leverage on a potential stadium renovation or new stadium in downtown Jacksonville in the next seven to ten years. And by the way, that is not uncommon in sports. Now, what happens often if they can't come to a resolution is some teams end up getting out of there. Yeah, that 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 has happened in sports. But if you go all the way back even to the Patriots days, I was just talking about this. Uh, we always seem to bring up the Patriots and all this. But when Kraft bought the team, they were on the doorstep, man, of moving to Hartford, Connecticut. And he threatened to move to Hartford, Connecticut with that football team before they got things going on that stadium in Foxborough. 
So it happens, and it happens to successful organizations too. But here's where I'm sitting from, Brent. All right, so I, I've been, you know, I've I've been a resident of Jacksonville now for off and on, we'll say about seven years. Okay. And when you say things like, well, it's the city's fault, you know, this is kind of a jab at the city to try to get things going. I understand that completely. And I don't think you're wrong here. But my question to you is, well, who in the city? Because it's easy to point the finger at Shad Khan. It's easy to point the finger at Lamping because they're people, man. I can go on Twitter right now, you know, type something that I'm probably going to regret later on the line, but say, you know what, this sucks, yada, 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 Shad Khan or Lamping, okay? I can type those things. But I just can't type, well, the city of Jacksonville. So then you say the city of Jacksonville. Who's to blame in the city of Jacksonville? Uh, That's good. I mean, I guess you when you blame the mayor, the city council, and everybody else that makes decisions. I, I, yeah. honestly, like I said, I don't cover politics. When John comes up here, he mm-hmm. talks about it more eloquently than I can. Yeah. Um, I, I say this all the time. I, <laughs> it sounds awful, but I come from a place in Providence that when I went to college, it was a, it was a whatever city. Mm-hmm. It was a, 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 I don't know about a dump, but it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. When I come back, it's a beautiful city, and the mayor's in jail. And I don't care if the mayor went to jail. My city is now nice. Can I ask what he went to jail for? Oh, just go read. I told you to listen to podcasts. Man. Uh, yeah, it's, it's well, hey, there's a lot of podcasts out there. I'll get to it eventually. And I'm not saying the city of Jacksonville should be corrupt and get stuff done. Yeah. But my point is they got stuff done somehow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Ignorance is bliss sometimes, sometimes, huh? Sometimes you have to have okay. sacrifice. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but, but you got to get stuff done somewhere down the road. I mean, I, they've been people have been trying in Jacksonville for 30 years to get stuff done, mm. and nobody can get stuff done. And I'll finish it on this point. Casey Ears says, the very possibility of $200 million in tax taxpayer cash being even potentially available and avoiding a lease fight and potential injunction should rest on a second game not taking place even once. So that's a good starting point for deleveraging the conversation. I think what he's saying is, well, you're making it worse if you take a second game. Mm-hmm. Is that how you read that? I just want to clarify. Yeah. I, that's how I read it. Mm-hmm. There's one caveat to that. And listen, you should always be sensitive to taxpayer money and $230 million is a lot of money. But the whole project potentially could be worth $700 million. You don't get people that line up here, fly off a plane in Jacksonville and say, hey, I'd like to contribute 33% of $700 million to a downtown project. Hmm. We've tried for years to make that happen, and nobody stepped up to the plate. You have a billionaire guy that is willing to say, here's a $233 million check. And also, we're going to find you a place that also is going to give you $233 million in Cornish, who's going to build it and also own some of that, I think, if I understand it right. So can somebody else come up with the 33%? Yeah. There aren't people walking into Jacksonville saying they can do that. So you've got to find a way to make that work, in my opinion, if you want, if you want the city to advance. And by the way, if I'm the guy that's willing to give up $233 million of my own money, whether I have $8 billion or not, and they've done nothing in five years, sooner or later that might piss me off a little bit. And, and I'll get well, a little frustrated. It's going to frustrate you, but keep in mind, you're not giving up that much money. You're investing that money. That is true. Because you plan on getting that money back you eventually. You do plan, but it's still risk. No, I, well, with, with risk. any business, though, Brent, any business is going to be some kind of risk involved. And, and by the way, listen, I am totally just blanketing this coverage, uh, this this story. I mean, there politics. are so many depths. Yeah. There are so many depths. Somebody that knows the politics part is just Seriously, sitting there poking I, holes I left and right. I have the right. biggest headache right now. It's not even funny. But uh, in my main, when I step back and think about this the last couple of days, 
and I try to think of where maybe they might be coming from, and I sense frustration. When the JEA thing did not end up in the Lot J plans, there was frustration from Mark Lamping. That was about a year and a half ago, and he was ticked. You could tell, noticeably. When I sat down with him the other day, the frustration that this city has potential to be so much better than it is, and it's still sitting there the way it has been for the most part, is frustrating Shad Khan and Mark Lamping, despite their efforts and willing to invest. Does that take? Does that make taking a second home game to London right and sign off on it? No, I don't think so. But I'm just telling you, I think this is what it's about. I think this is about, can somebody get this going? And somebody sign off on getting this going. Stop putting a block to it. And uh, they're frustrated. I do believe that, right or wrong. I think there's there's frustration involved. And the more and more I look at it, I think that's the motivation for this. It's not motivated by money as much as it's motivated by movement, in my opinion. Kuz, say this audio. This is going to be on the commercials when Brent Martineau runs for, like, city council. No way in hell. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't do it. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't do it. Come on, Listen, man. I respect the, the politicians, the leaders, all those. I, and I don't know their world very much. I, like I said, I made it very vanilla and simple. It's harder than that. I understand mm. that. But sooner or later, you got to get something done. Mm. And I just will go back to the thing I say all the time, and I'm getting tired of myself saying it. Do you want to be Birmingham or Charlotte? Mm. And you got five, six, seven years to figure that out. Figure it out, Jacksonville. My job's to talk about it. My job's not to figure it out. Figure it out. Birmingham or Charlotte. And Birmingham, you're fine. But you ain't Charlotte. I'd rather be more like Charlotte. I like it, man. Wanna take a break? <laughs> I'm just going to have this conversation in the studio and not my golf course. Because if you were to combine <laughs> golfing with politics talk, I would have been put in a coma by myself. <laughs> like, my, my parents would have came and been like, what happened to us? He's in a coma. Oh, politics and golf. Yeah, that makes the right amount of sense. So it is what it is. All Brent, right. Very passionate, Brent. Nicely said. Well, listen, and I, I don't want my passion to sound like defense for what they've done the last couple of days. But I do think there's more uh, to the story than just taking a game to London. Mm -hmm. I really do. And I've told you where my belief is that they're not moving this thing and they have no intention to move this thing. But I do believe they want to move things forward. And they're trying to be a catalyst for that in their defense. Mm -hmm. Again, there's that's simplistic, understood. Um, and the fans are not wrong. And they were wrong in terms of maybe the move that they made to go to a second game, but also a move that they didn't see coming, the backlash from the fans. Yeah. And the fans are loud and proud here in Jacksonville. And uh, they showed it the last uh, couple of days. Again, I'll go back to what I said. I don't think it changes anything for 2020. It could be good that there's communication, according to the Times Union, with Mark Lamping and this Duval coalition. But this could be a potential stop or, or at least a, hey, let's think about this a little bit more. Talking about this three-year extension or how else... The Jags look in London in 2021, 22, and 23. And by the way, there's been a decent amount of backlash, or at least commentary, from players, too, yeah. that have said, well, I'm not so sure about that. And one thing to keep in mind, too, if, if you're Shad Khan, if you're Lamping, don't take this backlash as an assault on your character, right? I'm sure there's being some things said right now that shouldn't be said, right? I'm sure there's some constructive things that are getting said and some non-constructive things. But if you're Shad Khan, if you're the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, you should appreciate this criticism. You should appreciate this passion because it shows that people in this city still care. And that's what you want more than anything. You don't want people just to go, ah, 
London two games? Cool. Sounds good. No, you, you want that passion. I do think that's right. But if you gave me $100 million and then three years later I started ripping you be- because of something else, you'd probably be like, hey, dude, what the heck? I gave you $100 million. Oh, I gave you 10 bucks in Mobile. I'm still wanting my money back, dude. Yeah, absolutely, man. Come on. Uh, we'll be back in Jacksonville. Next Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Y'all going to get y'all tickets because I'm going to be in the same spot next year, all right? Okay, so I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear, I can't get off work, I can't get out of school, I don't want to hear, oh, my my boss talking like, uh, we can't get off, no, I don't want to hear that, go ahead and plan for it. Brent's blood just boiling right now. <laughs> go ahead and plan for it, okay, I will, by putting a bet against you. <laughs> and Brent Martino's taking the field. Well, everybody. did I tell you, I'm, I'm going to Vegas in March. Okay. And I'm going to put 20 on the Jags. Is there a wedding the there? Or what's going on in Vegas? Bachelor party. So essentially, yeah. 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 <laughs> when is this? In March. Actually, during March Madness. Scoos, give us your wedding schedule this year. I only have three, but I have two bachelor parties on top of those. A lot so. of friends. A lot of friends. So you have three weddings, two bachelor parties? Yes. Yep. How big's your circle? I mean, honestly, I feel like it's dwindling by the day because well, I don't go out anymore. That's, it. that's called getting older, <laughs> Are you man. Like Sean McVay, like if you ever made a phone call with anybody, it's magic. So like if you've ever like talked to anybody at a bar, you go to their wedding. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Although I, you know, like the weddings I've been in, like I definitely was like when. When they were announced, I'm like, oh, that's definitely something we're going to. Like, it's not one of those, like, maybe we won't get invited. It's always one that I'm like, yeah, there's, we should be checking the mail. There's Where definitely is this weekend? Coming. Conference. Uh, uh, South Carolina. South right Carolina. Out, right outside of uh, Charleston. All right. Good spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's supposed to be a nice weekend. It's supposed to be a nice weekend up there. It's supposed to be a little bit colder. They're getting hammered. Uh, I right guess now. they were getting hammered by whatever is coming our that, way. So that sucker is a big bad right now, though. You see the radar? I heard about that. I mean, it's, I, it's I nasty. Saw Mike Burrish is uh, kind of all over it. Way, nice job. That's good promotion right there. It's not promotion. It's fact, dude. I'm not fact. promoting anything. I saw him on Twitter. <laughs> it's all He's all over it. Yeah. He is all over it. He's always yeah. all over it. But yeah, uh, yeah first alert weather day. Uh, oddly, in February, that's kind of well. Unique. I think it's supposed to. I was reading like what what Mike was putting out there. Right? Like tomorrow, it's going to be. Like this, but 20 degrees colder, so that probably temperature drop really messed some things up. You know what that is? That's called the cold front coming in. I like that, Brent. Uh, But it's probably going to be a cold front for you, too, with uh, the the fluctuation of temperatures. It's not going to be good for your immune system. True. Which I feel like is taking a hit lately. (laughs) My immune system is in tough shape (laughs) right now. No doubt about it. Uh, (laughs) You know, the the, uh, weather is a big deal today. And make sure you check out CBS 47 and Fox 30, Mike Borish, all night long. But, like, school activities were canceled in Duval and St. John's County. Uh, probably more, but I know Duval and St. John's County. And uh, UNF, I know, canceled any class after 4.30, I think it was. That was what else I saw. And John Bachman stepping in. Many probably can give us a little bit more of them. But um, it's it's going to be a nasty weather day, depending on where you live on the line. I know, like, us down in St. John's County area. It'll be later tonight, like around midnight, I think it looked like. So He's moved uh, that up a little bit. Uh, moved it up? Yeah. So we're talking probably some nasty thunderstorms, a lot of wind, 30, 40 mile an hour gusts, and uh, maybe some tornado watches and things like that, right? Yes. Watches uh, are in effect in some parts of our viewing area right now. I don't think that includes Duval or St. John's at the moment. It was north, like southeast it's Georgia, north and right? west of us at the moment. But that could creep into our in our areas sooner than later. This thing looks like Armageddon on the radar. 
it, yeah, I, I'm torn because we got to be safe. We got everybody <laughs> yeah, to be safe. Bruce Wilson drill through it. But what are you, um, <laughs> you know, the, 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 you know, I'm torn. I mean, they got to do what they got to do. But listen, it's, it's I gonna always do, act that gonna be way. Bad but. storms, but we've been through bad storms before. But yeah. uh, so. But anyway, but yes. that's the big story tonight, though. Yes, without question. We got the first alert storm tracker out. Uh, Russell Colburn's already on the road. He's heading west to Baker County right now. They've they've reported a. Uh, Here's the story right now. Brush fires. We've got a couple of them that have sparked up uh, today in, in our area, in various areas. We've got one in Clay, one in uh, – at least one in Baker. There's another one. I'm drawing a blank where it is. But um, the Baker one is actually threatening some some buildings at the moment. So we're, we're, he's headed that way. He was originally going there because a part of a roof had already been blown off because of the wow. wind. And, and when I say part of the roof, I think it was kind of like the like – the, Maybe the tar wrap that was on the on the roof, you know, and that that had been flopped up. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, good strong wind gusts, but not like the roof structure necessarily. Mm. But that was that was happening. So he was heading that way, and then while he while en route, uh, we got the notice that that there's a there's a brush fire moving fair as you would imagine, moving quickly. I mean, all it takes is one spark and then boom. And that area is just talking to Mike, um, west of our west of west of the city but even in duval and some of st john's really um a drought i mean some some consider a drought because it's been dry but that it's long, even huh? more it's even more dry west of us in in the baker county area okay. that, that so it's not that surprising that something caught fire and once something sparks I mean, it's yeah. it's it's gone. Well, so. And on top of that, with wind. That's what I mean, with yeah. the wind. So, yeah. So um, we don't know how it started. We don't know, you know, anything about it at this point. But it is burning, and uh, they put out the notice and the warning, and and so we're we're gonna go cover. But this it. thing's going like all the way up the east coast, right? The storm every impact yes. a lot, right? Well, yeah. Like it, sleet it's, and the snow southeast and right stuff. now, like Texas and Oklahoma. Was it yesterday? Got snow out of this deal. Because wow, um, the temperatures are really dropping. So they, they, right, right along that line, especially you know North Texas and, and Oklahoma, it was cold. It got cold enough apparently to to, to have the snow, but uh, which is pretty unusual. Not totally unusual, pretty unusual. Uh, and then yeah, and it's a ton of rain in in parts of Mississippi, and they had some damage done by by the storm too uh, in in some of those states like Mississippi and Alabama. But uh, now they're talking a lot of rain and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, John, just a question for you. Uh, yeah. Just like Koozie goes to weddings like every other weekend, oh. are, are you going to start carrying this typewriter around on well, your I was arm say, like please, everywhere you go? Can we please address yes. this 300-pound gold elephant in the room right now? Yes, it is the uh, the golden if typewriter. If you haven't seen it on social media yet, then you're not on social media. Yeah. I think it was even on CBS 47 and we Fox 30 last, last night. night. I, I made sure that... Um, the other guy was well aware of That's it. That's good. It's not I in that building in, anymore. No, and and so he, by the way, when the other guy had it last week, year, he didn't keep it in our building. Put it in uh, another radio. What's up building. with that? I, that's right. Well, that that's why it's going to live up here. Yeah. It's home because I, if I leave it downstairs, the other guy may take it, as he tried to do last night on air. Yeah. Oh wow. That. So so I am going to leave this up here in Justin's uh care oh that's because uh, i don't necessarily <laughs> trust marno either because you know marno didn't win it this year well yeah but i do oh, like that right. it's in our building i'm yeah. kind of like the sec fan now yeah you have no reason to talk about anything but for some reason you are it's all good though uh so yeah so um so i thought coos could could have this and you know and also, Matt, problem. shout out to Matt Ray, because between Coos and Matt Ray, that's the reason we won the thing. 
Uh, the, yeah. the, the guys won. Those those guys let's, won it because let's, because let's relax on the whole Kuz topic. But okay, I, I see what you're saying. Well, okay, I'll be honest. I was being nice. It was yeah. mostly Matt Ray. I know. But Kuz, I think, made at least a couple putts in there that if were you made putts? Two, it was valuable. Yeah, yeah it was. I made a few putts. Yeah. All right, yeah. I see you, man. Yeah, no, it's sounds true. like we have to go it's to Venture Land and get a little putt putt challenge. Me um, and you. All I'm saying is, if I keep winning like this, how many more wins do I have to do to work my way back up to a rematch oh, for me? us? Oh. <laughs> Hey, you have to earn that, sir. You That's what I'm that saying. First. This was step one. Step one, you got about 20 more steps to go. We're now right. Kevin McHale amount of days away from <laughs> the Players' Championship. We are by Shaquille O'Neal. The <laughs> amount of days away. Don't ever. No, it's Shaq. How about on. Magic Johnson? Magic's 32, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, but I'm but I'm 32 years old, you know, so it's Shaquille O'Neal. All right. Thanks. Okay. I mean, Who else? But, all right. Magic, Shaquille, Kevin McHale in my era. Who else is 32? Uh, I can look that up quick. I, I, was, I mean, it, it, was, what number was Mariano was, Rivera? Was it Jim Brown, 32? I know that's changing sports. What was Rivera? Was he 32? 42. 42. Yeah, he was uh, Jackie right. Robinson's what was, uh, last one to What was Emmett Smith? Is he 23? 22. 22. I was way off. Wow. Hmm. After 32 was I feel like Jim Brown I'm was 32. I'm impressed with your, your, your jersey number knowledge. Jim, I'm pretty sure Jim Brown was 32. All right. I shouldn't know that better, but I'm pretty sure. Uh, but anyway, well, I'm still going to look it up, question. so just take your time, and we'll get All there right, eventually. So real quickly, <laughs> if I can, I just want to tell you that the highlight, I didn't really play that well, Brent. I mean, truly, Vince James with the tour and and Matt. Played well. So Matt Ray's well. a good player. Matt Matt Ray had had a high handicap. And played well. And played and putted well. So he's a good cheater. Well, I wouldn't say that. I don't know Matt I well enough say that because to really deal, start ripping Brett, him like a new coos. I, I saw him hit it off the tee, and he struggled off the tee. Here's the thing. With with uh, Matt, he's technically part of the show as well because he's the voice of it. the intro. So, so in I, a way. you got to be nice to him. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah, do. <too. laughs> yeah, so don't be calling him a cheater. And here's the deal. It just sounded here's like you were trying to call him a cheater <laughs> during saying, your description. No, here's what I'm saying. <laughs> that, no, that's not true. Because it sounded it. like it. Hey, how handicaps work is that you have to play your ball for the entirety of the hole and the entirety of the round. And if you can't get it off the box and you can't get it to the green, you're going to make big numbers and get yourself a big handicap. That's True. how it works. Yeah, yeah. So if you, but when you're playing in a shamble and, and you got somebody shamble, driving you get out somebody there. who can get you 100 yards out to the green and yeah. one, you got a chance. You can warm you on the one up there and make a putt. Or put you on a par four in one like maybe somebody I won't name. Still talking about <laughs> that two days later. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. I drove 12. That's right. What was more impressive, you driving 12 or me almost making hole in one on 17? By far and away, your hole in your really? hole one. Yes. Yes. But because everybody can 125 yards. Tees. I did it from downwind on the white tees. Okay. Big deal. All right, fine. I'll take it. No, you should take it. Didn't that. win the trophy, but I got that. Sandy Koufax, 32. Koufax oh, was that's 32? A good call. Yep. That's a good call. OJ Simpson, 32. Oh, shoot. Should have got OJ. <clears throat> Don Mattingly was 23 if you're uh, Edrin James. Edrin James. So, yeah, oh, so I guess looking back on it, Shaq's not a really good one because Shaq was 34 in for the Lakers. He was 32 in Orlando, but he wasn't 32 was for he, his whole career. We went to Miami, too. Yeah. Different number? Uh, you're putting me on the spot. Yeah, I'll so find he out. was 34 with the Lakers. Shaq yeah, yeah. was. Charles Barkley was 32 with the Sixers. Was Shaq 33, I think, at college, right? Shaq I think at LSU. was 32 with the Heat as well. So he's ah. 30. So 32, 32 yeah. Orlando in the Heat. But the Lakers, I guess, are more notable, but he won championships. He, he did win with D-Wade in, in and, Miami. And LSU, he's 33. How about that? 32, 33, 34. Mm-hmm. Shaq was. Those are good numbers. Yep. Good numbers. Those are good numbers in hoops. What are those linebacker numbers in football? Nah. What are they? Those are uh, safety numbers. Safety, safety numbers, yeah. Safety numbers, yeah. yeah. 
That's uh, out the window. Or, or actually day. running back numbers. Well, the running, running back, back but I think safety, is safety too or not? I don't know. It can be running back it's and fullback. Back, yeah. it's, it's not like I played in the game no, or anything, so I should yeah, know that stuff. Know? There are no <laughs> <players> <laughs> on the NFL. But those things are thrown out, right? Hey, John, I was I mean, 73 in Chicago. Okay? Hey, okay. Numbers didn't really matter That's to what me. I'm saying. They don't matter to anybody. <laughs> no, do you anymore? Well, no. They, they actually, they do. Like, there's a, there's a certain... Regulation that you have to follow. Like but linemen have to have certain numbers. Correct. Yes. yes. Is that, but after that, it doesn't matter, does it? Receivers have to have a certain number. Really? Um, in the NFL, college, it's, it's anybody can. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. We have 315 pound defensive lineman rocking number, number five. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what yeah, I thought. Yeah. Well, okay, yeah, the NFL, the, you, you uh, have to do that. Auburn kid. Exactly. You know. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, Jack Stan, golf fan, by the way. Yeah. Um, Wants to know how far is it from the whites on 12? Do you remember? Yeah, I do remember. Of course you did. If you yeah. drove the green, you remember. Of course I do. So the pin, <laughs> the pin, the pin was up front at 265 from the from the white tee box. To the pin or to the center of the green? No, to the pin. 265. My ball, 265. My ball ended up at about 285. Because, because 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 we had a twenty yard putt coming back. This just in got a text from the tour. They put a trampoline twenty yards out. <laughs> <laughs> and now we know my secret. There it is. Uh, it is something though. It, it, hey, it was listen, it, when I hit it, it was tracking. Yeah, like, you I was it. like, this could be close. And then it bounced. I saw it bounce. I'm like, oh darn, it bounced too hard. And then it just it rolled and you knew it was a long ways past the hole because it disappeared. Nah, yeah, yeah, it went down yeah. that slope and then it then it reappeared. I'm and like, oh man, I'm there, a yeah. long way away. That's a good hole. I like that hole. hole. They have made that yes. hole that was a just kind of well, a hole into a hole. Like and a when good did they hole. put the the stands there? Is that new this year? No, they've done that now. They that, must have done that after the rebuild. And 12. Yes, it's yeah. fantastic. I've mean, done that last couple to years. watch the golf game. Golf and of tournament. course, tacos at twelve are out there too. Yes. See, that's the whole idea of the Players Championship. They want you to go see those other parts because there's good yes. holes. That's right. If you take a look at the back nine now, you've got a good hole on every hole. Yes. Now a lot of people will still sleep on number fifteen. I think the fifteenth hole is an awesome hole to watch golf. Yeah, I was, on at the at the players championship. I was telling John my favorite spot is to sit right at twelve where where you guys were just talking about and to kind of go in between twelve and uh, where trucks at ten. Yeah, are. just go back and forth so you can in between get the fifteen there. over there, the fifteen green, yeah. sixteen t. Mm-hmm. Yep. But plus yeah. then you get access to thirteen, which is a good par three, excellent par three. Yeah, especially I think on Sundays when they usually put it put down it, in that funnel. Yes, I think. Well, it's and Sunday. what I was gonna say too is that at number twelve is uh, when they put that pin left. Like where it is in front is very hard for driving it because there's no you can't stop it it's there. Not. So that's a tough spot. Well, you know those guys are hitting three woods, five well, woods. Of course, but even those guys will have a hard time stopping it. Yeah, there. you really because I landed mine before the green. I thought maybe I had landed on the green. Caddy said no. I, I landed about ten yards short of the green even. And it um, still rolled out. And it still rolled out. And the green, you know, you, I mean, it was it was not the it was pretty soft. I mean, they had they had kept the water on it pretty pretty well. Um, but when they put that pin on that left. left spot, you're about maybe five yards from the water. I mean, if you tug that thing left at all, and you are you it, are in the drink. It's a change they've made, actually. They the first year when they started twelve, when they had redone yes. it, it was so the, anything left of that pin would go in the water. Yeah. And I think they raised it, I don't know how much, maybe a couple feet, but they actually leveled it out a little bit because I think the players complained about it, quite honestly. Like if it, but if they they even if wrong. it was on the green, it would roll out. It would ro- you, could, yeah. you could land in the middle of the green, and it would roll into the water. Wow. And so yeah. not a, you'd wanna, you don't want to be hitting three wood doing that. I'm pretty sure yeah. the secrets of TPC Sawgrass, I yeah. think they raised that up a little bit. I'm they do sure. still have it shaved, don't they? As I recall, the left side? Uh, I think they do. It might I be a, sh- a couple of yards of rough. 
Maybe so. But, they, but yeah. they because they want guys going for it. Of course they do. But if the ball's gonna end up in the water fifty fifty, yeah, you're not gonna then you're not gonna it. take the chance because no. either way they got a seventy yard shot. Yes. Which they can knock it within ten feet they every can't time. Except seven, that shot is not easy. As, well, they as can make you know, it whatever shot yes, they want. If they sure. want hundred yards, they just back off with a four, a six it's, iron. Or, it's amazing though. You see that hole now, and you, it's hard to remember how it was before the redo. I remember. You're right, but it's kind of hard. The mounds on the left, yeah. and it was just a, an entirely different hole. It's obviously, a, you, you never thought if you played that golf course five years ago, like well, you can't make this thing much better than it is. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. The twelfth hole and other things, little yeah. little things, have yeah. made the golf course better than it's ever been. I agree. Uh, I think. I agree. All right, man. Uh, you guys got a busy night ahead yeah. on the weather side yeah. and, and news side. CBS forty seven, Fox thirty. John Bachman, Tanika Hughes. Happy birthday to Tanika Hughes. Yes. Nice. And We're also down there right now. Uh, Mike Burrish and the weather team. First of all, weather team, the best in the business. Make sure you check them out uh, on the app, on TV, on social media. Stay tuned. Keep your family safe and uh, heed all warnings because it could be a windy and uh, stormy night. Around Jacksonville. It will be. I mean, it really, it's already windy. It's going to be, uh, windier. We got, uh, obviously a lot of things we're keeping an eye on with that. And, and yes, it's going to be stormy. You know, how stormy, we don't know yet, but, uh, it's going to be stormy. So you can rest assured on that. John, what number caller should we give away tickets oh. for this summer? Def Leopard, Poison, oh. Motley Crew, Joan Jett at the bank this summer. Couple of tickets, right? I, I want to see, I keep saying two, two tickets. Well, it's a pair of tickets, yes. Yeah. That's two. Goose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't see. mean a couple. He thought I meant a couple pair of tickets, I think. Okay, so like four. Just bailing them out. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. you really are, man. You're going uh-huh. above and beyond right now, Brent. But uh, okay. what caller? What caller? 904-362-9901. You better hurry. They're calling. 904-362-9901. Caller no, number? Seven. Seven. Mick, the seven? Mickey, the Mickey Mantle number. Oh, my gosh. Just made a Yankees reference here on the show. Get out of here, John Bachman. We'll be back. Action Sports Shacks Sorry, on ESPN dude. 690. I was Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's, it's, it's Unbelievable. Brent Martin 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 college. Number eleven. Coming up next, I got a Mookie Betts, Yannick Ngakwe comparison. Can't wait to see where this goes. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's not good, is it? Probably not. Good not. not, not right. good yeah. if you want to keep him here. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Mookie Betts, Yannick Ngakwe. Hey. Cop. Come Coming on. up. Action Sports Jackson, ESPN 690. Take your Mickey Mantle jersey. Get out of here, Bachman. We'll see you on TV, CBS right, 47, guys. Fox 30. I think a lot of people at this point in Philadelphia are just saying, well, he won a Super Bowl, but he wasn't a head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles when he won it. And we kind of, you know, are looking at him sideways. But as a former player, I appreciate everything that Andy was able to do there in Philadelphia, especially for my career. I, I understand the, the mentality of the head coach, and I also understand the thought process that I don't want to throw any of my players underneath the bus. And that's the type of coach that Andy was. And, again, that's why so many of his former players absolutely love him. Who was that? Westbrook. Westbrook. <laughs> I was like, who was that? Yeah. Uh... You say it all the time about Andy Reid. I think across the board, I'm sure you have detractors when you're coach. You know, you have somebody that you put in the doghouse, didn't think you treated them right, whatever it is. But Andy Reid does seem like one of those guys that there's a bond there with former players, whether you played for a week or ten years. And i got to believe most coaches are like that. You know, there are bad fallouts between players and coaches. That happens. Uh, you know, even, heck, you, if you played any kind of sports, you, you like the coach, and then maybe you just one was like, okay, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I never played for a coach like I didn't like at all. Yeah. But uh, I, 
Andy Reid seems like one that like you that bond is probably strong with players. The amount of respect there for players, uh, and and you know it comes with a two way street. But like even some of the guys that you'd think, oh no, I bet a lot of people hate like Bill Belichick. No, no, there's a special bond between players and Belichick yeah. for what he does and accomplish. And and I always think people are different behind closed doors anyway than what we see in front of a microphone. There are a a laundry list of players that know Bill Belichick away. We all don't know Bill Belichick, correct? You know, and will tell their kids and their grandkids all about him and and how much he means to them outside of championship rings and everything else, which is always cool. I think those things are cool. Unfortunately, for a lot of those things to bubble to the forefront, you got to win championships. It's the name of the game in professional sports and even now in college sports is for those thing guys to get their due for what they've done maybe for 20, 25 years. You almost have to win the whole thing for it to be validated in the way it maybe should have been validated for the last 20 years. You know, and I think it's a testament with Andy Reid. And we talk about Bill Belichick. Listen, if you win a lot of football games, your coaching style is not going to be put on blast that much, right? Because you're winning football games, so it's like, eh, it doesn't matter what kind of coaching style you bring. As long as you're winning, you're going to have the team's respect. But to me, what sets apart from you know the, the successful winning coaches from the, the legendary coaches, from those Hall of Fame coaches, it's how they can get a team to respond after you've lost, okay? Yeah, how, yeah. how you can get a team to respond like in, like in Kansas City when they were like won two football games, had the first pick of the draft. How did you respond next year? And to me, that that's a testament of a fantastic coach. Yeah, of course, everybody can win football games, man. You can have fun and everything. But when you have to get a locker room together to try to rally around each other, different egos, different personalities, when you're losing, man, only a select few coaches can actually have success doing that. That's what's, what's pretty cool about what Kansas City did, right? They make it to the AFC Championship game. They lose in overtime when we get the football in overtime. Yeah. And so, bam, you know, they look like the greatest team, kind of like Baltimore did this year, and they don't get all the way into the Super Bowl. And so, really, my thought process was, watch this year, they'll get there. They'll, You know, they knock down that door, they'll get there. I think that does happen in sports, especially with teams that you can tell are an upward trend. Uh, and maybe Baltimore will be like that next year. You know, the Saints have kind of felt like that, and then, man, they just get... I don't know about robbed, but they get dramatically lose, and it's just been crazy in a weird way. But on top of that, Kansas City, you know, I say it all the time, they got lucky a little bit. They lost three home games in a row. Mahomes goes down with that knee injury, and... If he's not double jointed, <laughs> I mean yeah, they're man, done, knows, yeah. right? Yeah. There's some crazy wacky lucky thing there with the knee, and uh, then they they get hot at the right time, and you peak at the right time, mm-hmm. and probably at sometimes last year, maybe Kansas City peaked in November and December, and not necessarily in January when you needed to, but uh, Kansas City got it done. All right, a couple of topics I want to get to before I get too deep and, and teasing them and not talking about them. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Coos here on a Thursday. Thanks for hanging out with us. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We continue to talk about the London topic and continue to open up the the phone lines and the conversation on social media which continues and i'm trying to get some of those responses as well uh but feel free 904-362-9901 to continue that conversation talk a little more football right now though tight end position we talked about at the top of the show if you think about the personality of some of these teams kansas city you think about san francisco think about the good players and the good success of say a minnesota with kyle rudolph a philadelphia with zach Ertz and goddard and other guys like that uh 
Just those hand, and Gronk, you know, and Gronk. Take well, those guys. Well, Oakland too, man. Waller, like uh, I get he's you know, on the West Coast and yeah. he's, he's a kind of flash in the pan kind of guy, but Waller really turned that offense around, bro. He did, but they yeah. haven't won big. I'm talking no, about but, teams oh, that have, have been at the uh, Final Four, oh, okay. the the you know the Super Bowl. I see you're what talking you're about saying. teams that have been super good. The okay. tight end has been a big part of it. But what fascinates me, and we kind of <laughs> were talking about this a little earlier, it's like the identity of the it's the new white man position. Yeah, you know and the white player used to be locked into the quarterback spot. Correct. And I'm not saying that's not happening anymore, but now we see Patrick Holmes win a Super Bowl, Lamar Jackson win an MVP award, and Russell Wilson has been as good as you can get Correct. over this stretch of time for the last decade. And so I th- I'm not saying that conversation is done with, but it was a prime conversation for a while, and I think that script is changing. I don't think we're going to have a conversation about what is the white man's position <laughs> no, for sure. in football. Yeah. But it's interesting that the tight end position kind of is that spot, but full of personality is the thing that intrigues me a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like That is the personality spot, the production spot. It's like two Ps, personality and production Yeah. of a team. It was with San Francisco. It was with Kansas City. To me, they were the to me they were the two most important players on their team. Believe it or not, I, I thought that those guys made them go. Kittle didn't have a good Super Bowl. Mm. Really wasn't involved and was part of a key play late in the first half. But they end up losing. Kelsey, while not dominant and not as productive as he had been the entire postseason, was a big. Part of their Super Bowl win caught a touchdown. Also, that pass interference down near the goal line. Yeah. I think he had six catches for 43 yards. So it wasn't like this great fantasy game, but he was super productive. Mm-hmm. But bigger than that, it's their personalities. You know, that bravado, that swag comes from those guys, which is unusual, I think, in, in the game of football. I think that's a linebacker thing. I think that's a wide receiver thing. Well, I think that's sometimes a pass rusher or a, or a, a secondary guy thing. Sure. Not usually a tight end spot, and here we are. You know, and it's such a... Kind of a crazy observation here, Brent, because we talk about the tight end position, and essentially, especially nowadays, it's a glorified receiver, right? It's a big receiver. And when you talk about guys that have the ability to score touchdowns, get in the end zone, you would think that that comes with ego. You know, I'm reminded of Tony Gonzalez. I don't ever really remember Tony Gonzalez ever doing anything out of the ordinary when he scored a touchdown. You know, I mean, he was just kind of this low-key kind of guy, um, the mark of a professional. Antonio Gates, another guy who kind of... revolutionized the tight end position, right? Former basketball player comes in and dominates right away. Antonio Gates, for the most part, was a quiet guy. You know, he, he didn't really make a lot of rumblings. Wasn't this hardly you know, he was still character. in the league lately. Exactly, man. He just went about his business, and he went about it at a very high level for a very long time. Um, you know, then I think... Honestly, it's hard to say, like, all right, so, like, who put tight ends, like, on the map where it was kind of like, you know, this guy comes along and he's this ego-driven type of dude. And I was going to say Jimmy Graham, first of all, because I'm reminded of Jimmy Graham back with the Saints who used to dunk the the ball and stuff like that. Yeah. But then, and this literally just came to me, I'm reminded of my childhood back in middle school. And it was a guy that small town, Iowa, Wisconsin, like, we grew up idolizing because this dude was just crazy and the play that i remember most of him was his rookie year um i I think he was playing the houston texans and he ends up stiff arming this guy and just puts him on his back and then he celebrates after it name was jeremy shockey oh yeah right you're Um, right you're right jeremy shockey to me and he's let's be honest through the through the history of the nfl 
kind of the guy that goes underneath the radar a little You're bit, right? Because right? he didn't really have a, a a legit career. I mean, he had a couple good seasons, but I, don't, I wouldn't anything call like a Hall of Fame career, obviously. But I think Jeremy Shockey was really. You know, that, that trendsetter. And to be fair, he's also a white guy with tattoos, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to stereotype. Personality, but though. Personality, though. Exactly. Right? And that, to me, is the guy that kind of started the trend. Nobody really kind of followed suit, though, for a long time. But to me, Jeremy Shockey's where That's it started. That's a great call. Yeah. I mean, again. I, I literally just thought of it. You know, listen, yeah. uh, you can go back in the day and tight ends and the Kellen Winslows and mm-hmm. all that. But, I mean, I don't think you think personality with that position. I mean, we're playing in the greatest tight end era of all time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we must be. Yeah. Uh, with Tony Gonzalez and, and what we have now. Um, and that passing of the baton, if you will, Antonio Gates, you already mentioned. I yeah. mean, we got just got some all timers, yeah. and it's so productive because of the passing game, how they are used. They're not just blocking tight ends; some of them are just actually pass receiving tight ends. Correct. Uh, and even the next wave of them. I mean, whether it's Hawkinson or Fant or you name it. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, Josh Oliver. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. But it, it begs the question: This quietly around here, Mercedes Lewis kind of had a presence. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the swag-filled guy that I'm talking about with maybe a shocky Kelsey Kittle. But he had presence. He was more the Kyle Rudolph, Greg Olson type, probably Antonio Gates, yeah. kind of the way he carried himself. But there's a presence about that position. I don't think Josh Oliver will have that kind of presence. He's a quiet guy. He's an unassuming guy. Uh, now, maybe we talk six, seven years down the road and it's totally different. He's a young guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... It doesn't. My, my point of this conversation is, we know the Jags need tight ends, but they almost have to find a tight end with some personality. Well, it feels like yeah. to kind of substantiate that position, uh, and I don't know if that's fact. Yeah, I'm just saying it feels that way. We know they need more production out of that position in a big time way. They're one of the worst in the NFL at that position, absolutely bar none. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder if you can guy go find some character there, right? Some personality well, there as well, and if that will help your football team. So here's the funny thing about it, okay? Because we talk about George Kittle, and yes, George Kittle kind of brings the personality a little bit, but I don't think he's like, you know, like overboard with it. He's not right? Kelsey-esque, I, he's right? He's not Kelsey-esque, okay? But it's funny, and once again, I'm just sitting here and I'm I'm dwelling on the topic he's brash, here, though. I will say, yeah. You know, like, obviously, I spent some time with Mercedes Lewis, one of, uh, at the time, one of the best two-way tight ends in the entire NFL. I mean, he was one of the best blockers combined with the best receivers um, when he went to, you know, to the, the Pro Bowl that year. It's funny because as I sit here and I, I, and I hear you say they got to find a guy with that personality, a, a guy that, you know, can kind of be the voice and kind of have that ego a little bit and kind of cause a scene a little bit in all the respective ways. The more like, I think about guys like Mercedes Lewis, the more that I think about guys like I went against like Greg Olson from Carolina, um, guys I played against a couple times like Owen Daniels back in Houston yeah, when yeah. he was playing Gary Kubiak's system, those guys were all pretty quiet on the field, and they didn't really make a lot of waves outside the field. And what they have in common, and I'm going to put TJ Hawkinson in this category too, is they take pride in their blocking. Like, the, there's a direct correlation to guys that aren't, like, you know, the, the typical diva receiver type. Like, not to say Travis Kelsey's not a good blocker, but he... he it's he, not his primary role. It's not his primary role. No. But, like, Greg Olson, like, yeah, maybe not the strongest guy, but one of the best tight ends at blocking the NFL for, for a time. Owen Daniels, the same thing. TJ Hawkinson now was the first pick of the draft. Why? Because he's that dual threat guy. He can block in the run game and also be a receiver. Ever seen a TJ Hawkinson interview? <laughs> I know. <laughs> not, hey, eh. 
Yeah, you know, uh, nothing really there. Now Kittle um, is more of a, he can block. He can get it done on that. Yeah, Kittle can block, but that's kind of my point where I'm but saying he is still more of a fantasy point. Guy. Exactly. Exactly. I guess you, that's cool. Yeah. 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 So, so like, I wonder, you know, if, if that can kind of coincide with each other, where it's like these guys that don't really, I guess you could call it that wide receiver mentality, you know, that that that, that me mentality. Yeah. Um, I feel like those guys that kind of bring more of the blue collar work ethic, and I'm gonna put Gronk in that category too, because I just got done singing uh, Gronk's praises earlier in the show, where I said, you know, for all that he did with the Patriots. I don't think he was ever really out of control. Yeah, he spiked it here and there, but he was never a distraction. It was never about me. I think there's a special type of just that blue-collar guy, that personality that benefits in the run game as well. Very good call. Uh, Josh chimes in, by the way, regarding the tight ends in the NFL. When you look at the production at the position, there's a significant drop-off outside of the top three. So is it a question of talent at the position or philosophy in the league, or is it a little bit of both? I don't have numbers right in front of me, Mm -hmm. but we just named a lot of players that, to me, are very key players in the NFL. Kyle Rudolph, Zach Ertz, Gronk, who's now retired, of course. We mentioned Kittle. We mentioned Kelsey. And obviously, their production is pretty high, too. And so I think I get his point. Like, Waller had good numbers. You know, I'll give you a guy. Tennessee's utilized Delaney Walker in a really big way. I don't know where his production. I mean, that, that was previous, not necessarily the last couple of years. Because mm-hmm. one, he's been hurt, and I think two, he's getting old. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I guess I don't disagree with him, right? I mean, you're probably looking at three guys from a production standpoint that are premier players at that position. Then there might be a little bit of a drop off, but no doubt the philosophy of the game, to his point, has gone to utilize that spot and utilize it in a specialty role you don't have to be able to do both if we're just going to line you up we'll line you up you don't have to get in that three-point stance we'll line you up at a wide receiver position yeah. we'll create mismatches so i guess josh I, I although i hate answering both to your question i think the answer probably leans that way a bit i think you're right about there is a premier nature to that position where kelsey and kittle and and maybe throw another guy or two in there are different and yeah. are on another level but no doubt, philosophy-wise, when we just saw a guy in Filippo around here, that if he had... Uh, that's the one thing about Filippo that, to me, will always feel incomplete. Didn't have a tight end to use. Yeah. What would it look like if he had a tight end to use? Mm-hmm. And he has made a living over the years putting tight ends in position to have huge years. So mm-hmm. that comes from a philosophical approach more than it does maybe from a talent approach if you converge it to then you're really doing well well. and let's be honest too i think it's just they're they're hard to come by you know a a legit bona fide tight end that can run you know that four six that's a freak athlete that can also block those kind of guys are hard to find in the draft they're kind of they're hard to find in college because usually if they're that that athletic excuse me you're playing defensive line yeah you know so they're they're hard to find and jason Witten, another classic example of a guy who just went about his business but a fantastic receiver and a pretty damn good blocker as well well, there's, it's the biggest transition position. You be a basketball player, you can be a wide receiver that's big, and then you transition to tight end. It feels like you can be a defensive end that's yeah. light. Go to a tight end. You know what I mean? Yep. I mean, they've made quarterbacks into tight ends. It's the it's a transition position, but it's a superstar position now in today's NFL. Yep. And the Jags need it. Friend. The Jags need it uh, here in Jacksonville. That's not alone though. Do they need Yannick Ngakwe in Jacksonville? Yannick Ngakwe. And how he relates potentially to Mookie Betts. Coming up next, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. It's done an outstanding job on the business side. 
Brett Veach helped build a world championship team. He was the driving force in acquiring some of the big-time leaders and playmakers on our roster. Guys like Anthony Hitchens, Damian Williams, Frank Clark, Tyron Matthew, oh, and some kid from East Texas named Patrick Mahomes. Let's give it up for Brett. That's Clark Hunt, owner of the Kansas City Chiefs. And you know what's really cool about the Chiefs and what they've done? Is Mahomes is getting all the love and has been for two years mm-hmm. on the outside, and I'm sure in Kansas City. But internally in their organization, they pile right on it. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, they understand. Uh, in, in a good way. You know, like, uh, and, and it just does show you the magnitude of a position in that sport and the magnitude of that position in sports. Because, listen, Derek Jeter was a key part of winning World Series in New York. Mm-hmm. I just don't know they ever really put one guy when they were talking always on that pedestal. Now, in hindsight, you do. But in the in the moment, I don't know if it was always, oh, yeah, man, Jeter, 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 Jeter. No, because it was Jeter and Paul O'Neill and, and Bernie Williams and Jorge Posada and, you know, whoever, Andy uh, Pettit and all mm-hmm. those. You know what I mean? Yep. And listen, this was Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and, and all these other guys. But it's interesting in this sport to go wrap your arms around one guy, one guy, one guy. I'm not even sure the Patriots over the years in these kind of moments said and and glorified Brady to be the guy that Kansas City is glorifying Mahomes to be mm-hmm. right now. It's fascinating. I'm not saying it's yeah. right or wrong. I'm just, no, I'm just acknowledging it and saying, wow, it's pretty – that's a unique in team sports. Yeah. To, we get it. Under uh, Subconsciously, we all know. The reality is the quarterback position is the most important. Mm-hmm. But to come out and blatantly say it time and time and time again uh, is an interesting thing uh, that Kansas City has done, I think, these last few days, really the last couple of years, but especially the last few days. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's not a bad point, and I think there's arguments for both sides. One could say that it's good that you kind of embrace what's going on. You understand the, the landscape of everything, and Patrick Mahomes, he is the man. And on the other side, it kind of wonders, like, are you putting a little too much pressure? I mean, you know, this is a team game after all. But I think it's cool that they actually realize what they have with Patrick Mahomes, you know, and just how special that guy is. Because any guy that's going to be the face of the NFL, well, let's be honest, is going to be good for your city, going to be good for your NFL team as well. So Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, I got Mookie Betts and Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah. Where are we going with this? Okay, so Mookie Betts, Red Sox guy. Tremendous talent. 27 years young. Yeah. Unbelievable numbers. Go look at it. Can't believe he's going to the Dodgers. The Red Sox, of all people, let him go. I know. The Red Sox can afford whatever they want to afford. This isn't a salary cap league. Mm -hmm. They can do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. They're trading him to the Dodgers. I don't even think it's finalized yet. I think they're waiting like a physical for some of the young players. But Mookie Pets is likely going to the Dodgers. Yannick Ngakwe, while not a total similar situation because of the ability to franchise tag for the Jacks. Mm-hmm. Let's take the franchise tag out for a moment and let's just talk about a guy being a free agent whether it was last year or right now. What the Sox essentially said, I believe with Mookie Betts and they tried to offer him something last year and he didn't take it. Yeah. And by the way, he didn't take it and Boris didn't take it. You Correct. Know? Boris, <laughs> Boris can get that top Good dollar, way. man. Yeah, for <laughs> no sure. Doubt. Yeah, there ain't going to be any hometown discounts. No There's no discount. They no. want to reset, reset, hey, reset. This is baseball. That's Let's get right. real though, right? <laughs> but 
I mean, I, I've heard, I think you read or whatever, I think you can read it's like in the mid $300 million range or something that Betts was mm-hmm. offered, and I think he wants over the $400 million. And, again, we can, from a player say, we'll say, well, is he worth it? Is he worth it? Well, we're going to find out if he's worth it because he's going to hit that open market, and maybe he's worth it. Yep. But like, essentially what the Sox said is, like, we just made one hell of an offer, in our opinion, but he wants to be a free agent. He he doesn't it doesn't matter how much we offer him. He wants to be a free agent. He doesn't necessarily want to not be here, mm-hmm. but he wants to test it. He yeah. wants to see how high he can get. And the only way to see how high you can get is to be a free agent on the open market. Yeah. So you see where I'm going with the Yannick Ngakwe is is it a similar situation to a degree with Yannick Ngakwe? Now depends what side you believe on how much was offered all those things. But do you sense at all that Yannick Ngakwe, one, because of his frustration now with, with the organization, mm-hmm. wants to be that free agent? Not just because out of principle and, the, and what's gone down here and how this all developed, but he wants to see his worth. Yeah. Do, do, is, the, is there a similarity at all in I've got these numbers. I'm under 25 years old. I'm not even close. I'm just I'm probably before my prime. Yeah. And if I hit the market, I'm going to get X amount of money. And I don't care what team that's with. Yeah. So listen, not a bad comparison at all. Didn't know where you're going to go with it, but I can see your point here. I would say the major difference, though, between Mookie Betts and Yannick Ngakwe, and I'm not sure the relationship that Mookie Betts had with the Boston Red Sox. I assume it was fine. I never heard any reports saying he wasn't happy yeah, in never, Boston. I don't, you know, I don't think it was anything. like that. So I think it was like that at all. The difference between Mookie Betts and Yannick Ngakwe is one word, Brent, and it's pride. Okay. Mookie Betts wanted to be a free agent because this is the, it's the MLB. It's, you know, it's, you can make these $400 million contracts and make all this money. Go test that out and see what, what it's all about. More power to you for doing that. With Yannick Ngakwe, yes, it is about money, but it's also about pride. Okay. Where Yannick Ngakwe knows he's going to make money someplace. Whether it's in Jacksonville, whether it's in New York, wherever, you know, he's rumored to go, he's going to make money someplace. The difference is, though, that he wants to branch out, I feel like, because his pride is hurt, his loyalty is hurt, and when you have those type of things, you want to run away from home and see what else is out there. Not done with that part of the story. More on Yannick Ngakwe as it compares potentially to the Red Sox getting rid of and trading away uh, Mookie Betts, plus a voicemail that you want to hear even though Austin might not want to hear it. No, he definitely doesn't want to. That's next. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Can't wait for this. Excited to get to the 305 um, and excited to be in some uh, great weather and excited to see uh, my man Ray on the golf course. That was Iguodala headed to Miami, the 305. Is there a more popular zip code? 808. <laughs> Iola Scandinavia. No. Excuse me? <laughs> What's 808? 808? Come on, Brent. Nothing? It, it, it's, well, it's Hawaii, but Kanye West had a um, a CD called Heartbreaks in 808. That was, the, like, the name of the album? Yeah. I think, right? If and, I'm not mistaken. And that's Hawaii? Zip code? I mean, uh, area code? Yeah. Hang on. Let me just make sure I, I, I didn't mess that up. Yeah. 808s and heartbreak. I messed that up. Okay. It's 808s and heartbreak uh, coming out of 
Kanye West. I actually got in a huge argument one time in the Bears locker room with Trevor Scott, who was another defensive end. Um, <laughs> one of the biggest arguments ever. It didn't come to blows or anything, but I got in a huge argument about what's the best Kanye album, and he always thought that 808s and Heartbreak was, and I had to remind him time and time again that that's just not true. Any other area codes? Um, I mean, 904. <laughs> I was going to say 904. 904 gets used a lot. Like, is that a local thing? Like, does everybody's local area code get used a lot? Because the 904 really does get 215 used a lot. 215's back home. That one's a popular one. It is? Yeah. Okay. Like, I mean, mine's like 401, and it was never that, like, nobody said it in that language. Now it was 20 years ago. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, context has changed, maybe. Yeah. But, uh, I don't. I don't know. Like three hundred five, everybody knows what three hundred five is. Yeah. I don't know if there's another one that everybody knows. Maybe your eight hundred eight is right, but I don't know if there's like is it, what's the L A area code? Uh, like New York. I'm trying to think from. I'm trying to think of rap songs. I'm pretty here. sure New York's is two one two. L A L A L A is three one zero. I think three one zero. I think you're right. Three one zero. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Is that from a song? Yeah, that's from a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so maybe LA's is. Yeah. Well, let's go by music, dude. I mean, that, that's no, what well, well, yeah. but that's what where it comes from. Yeah, for sure. Now the sports teams, I think, have helped with the three hundred five. Mm-hmm. Right, the turnover chain is the three hundred five. Yep, yep. Uh, we saw when we were at the Super Bowl, there was a lot. There were a lot of things well, that had like almost the Pitbull, turnover chain look. Yeah, and like if you're going to average how many times Pitbull says three hundred five in one of his songs, we're talking at least twenty times. So is so. that part of it? Does he say it? Hey, maybe he's, more. He's Mister Three Hundred Five, Brent. He, so he says it a lot. Oh, yeah. He's Mr. 305. Okay. Worldwide, too. Listen, I might be a white guy in my 40s, but I drive a truck, not a minivan. <laughs> what I just don't understand with him is he goes, he says he's worldwide, but that he's Mr. 305. How can you be worldwide, but your area code is Miami? I just, I don't know. Well, there, there's well, no. Well, that's like a culture that is worldwide. Maybe that's, that's what true. it means. Yeah, yeah. Because it's very diverse. Or his music Did you worldwide. watch the Super Bowl yeah. halftime show? I, I mean, did, did you watch oh, it? Oh, by the way. Oh, well, now I'm going to save this to Bone and Fall, and we got to do Bone. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I got the greatest, the greatest interaction ever on Twitter, I thought. But uh, nobody out. You can't give me another one. Like, what's Dallas's? Do we know? New Orleans. Chicago's. Anybody know Chicago's? Uh, two, 208? Let me look that I want to say something, but it would be so out of turn that I'm not going to say it. What's up, man? I'm not going to say it. Okay, don't say it. Then. I usually go ahead and say oh, it right about now, but I'm off. not going to say it. Three, one, two. Why, why are you going to say it, man? Isn't that interesting? A lot of threes, right? Yeah. Uh, L.A., Chicago, Miami are in the threes. Yeah, I was way off with that one. All right. Bad. Well, I guess to answer my question is really no. <laughs> Miami's no. is the most popular. Yeah, you're right. No doubt about it. Yes. Uh, all right, back to a quick little Yannick thought. Okay. So we were talking Yannick and Gakwe Mookie Betts. Mm-hmm. And... Betts, by the, if you're just jumping in, Betts is on his way to the Dodgers. Red Sox wanted to keep him. They love the guy. They love the player, no doubt. They offered him last year in mid $300 million range for <laughs> Pocket change. Pocket change for Mookie Betts. But he essentially, like, it didn't matter what you offered him. He wanted to test the market the way it sounds. Yeah. And he wanted to be a free agent. And he's got Boris as his agent. Reset that thing. 27. Going into his prime. Unbelievable numbers. Fantastic player. Good bowler, by the way, too. Uh <laughs> How do you know that? Right, He's right. like bowls professionally. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so see you later. A face of your franchise. Mm-hmm. See you later. Former MVP. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so to Yannick Ngakwe, who okay, one of your faces of your franchise, maybe the face of your defense moving forward in the next however many years, 
it's not apples to apples because of the bad blood that now exists. There's emotion tied to There's this. There's a little bit more of that. And I don't know. Maybe the Mookie Betts one did get emotional. We just don't know. We're not a, yeah. as in tune to that. Uh, but the Jaguars say they made an offer, even though it probably wasn't as high as everybody anticipates or, or anybody had heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that's what I understand. And then talks go off. And now he's a free agent. And, yes, they probably will franchise tag him, can franchise Which, tag him. All by the things. way, I, I changed my quarter on, uh, on my giant cutout. It said pay on for the longest time. You did. I'm going to tweet that. Yeah. You said good luck with that. Good luck with that. I still disagree with you, man. He's going to play for 17. I think I saw the number was 17.5 million. Mm-hmm. It's, I think we were saying like 18 change or 19.3. Mm-hmm. I think I saw the number now is 17.5. Mm-hmm. Hey, he, Brent. Well, he's playing on hey, it. Hey, Brent. Good, good luck with that. I know. I know. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that. Good luck with that. So some of it's animosity. Correct. Some of it's out of principle. But my point being is some of it just, hey, I think I'm one of the top three guys in the league, and I've got an opportunity to go find out. By the way, this isn't. this is okay. I mean, players have the right to do this. But is that mentality at all there? Sure, there's a little angst with the organization. There's principle tied into it. There's a little bit like you're not treating me with the right respect. But even beyond that, is there – I don't get league-wide respect the way I should. Yeah. I don't get to a Pro Bowl even though I should have been a Pro Bowler. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Nobody mentions my name when we bring up some of the best pass rushers and look at my numbers. Look what I've done. So is there a little bit of part of that with Yannick Ngakwe to say – well, I think I'm a top three guy. I'm going to go show you I'm a top three guy because I want to get out on that open market, that free market. And I'll tell you, forget about Frank Clark's $105 million. Mm. Forget about whoever else signed for whatever else. DeMarcus I'm, Lawrence. The Lawrence. Well, that, that's what it is, though, Brett. I'm going to go, bam, get higher than that. Not just the Jags I'm going to show. I'm going to show the rest of the league I'm going to get that. Listen, but this is how sports works, right? Like if you're Mookie Betts and you got offered what you got offered from Boston – well, if you look around the league and you're a former MVP and you see what you got offered, it's like, well, this guy's making 400 million over here. Yeah. Look, look how much Bryce, Bryce Harper, Harper. Made. You know what I'm saying? And like, I, and I've got better numbers than Bryce Harper. Exactly. So these guys are making that much money. Why wouldn't you go test the free agency out and see what it's all about? And I think the same thing can be said for Yannick Ngakwe, where he wants to. Obviously, the, the tag's still involved there. But I talk about it all the time. When you compare him to Frank Clark and Demarcus Lawrence, well, you hear what the Chiefs say about Frank Clark. Right, you you hear about what Travis Kelsey said about Frank Clark? They loved him. You know, the the entire team seemed to embrace Frank Clark. And let's be honest, sir, Frank Clark is not a clean cut character. All right, he he came with a little baggage when he got to Kansas City, but it seems like the team has embraced him. We'll go look at Frank Clark's numbers this year, and then compare him to Yannick Ngakwe. So from that perspective, if you're Yannick Ngakwe, of course this is a, it's, it's a peer driven league. You're always going to have your eye on what well, what is he making? What is he making? What are his stats look like? What do his stats look like? I've said it before. If you compare DeMarcus Lawrence, Frank Clark, and Yannick Ngakwe from last year, two guys got paid over $100 million. Yannick Ngakwe still playing his rookie salary. Yannick Ngakwe had the better numbers in the regular season this year than Frank Clark or DeMarcus Lawrence. Enough said. Yeah. Um, Do you think the Jags are actively trying to get that communication, even though they have until March, whatever? And they have the power of, at least in their back pocket, of saying this. Put on that franchise tag. Now you can say good luck with that, or if with he doesn't. <laughs> but good, do good, think, good luck with that. Where do you think the Jags are on this, trying to get this to at least a part of communication and, and give yeah. us a chance here? 
So, and then, and by the way, when you do that, you just say, "Hey, man, that was Tom. That was Tom." Well, yeah, whether that's right or wrong, and, exactly. But that's what you do. That, that's that was what you Tom, have to Tom, do. Tom. And we wanted to get it done. In fact, if I was here, if I was Dave Cole, I'd be like, "Listen, if I was here, we would have got this thing done last." Sure. Labor Day. Sure. Right? Remember when well, I said no, somebody no. was getting signed yeah. Labor Day? Miles Jack. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> know it was Miles Jack. Had your bets. <laughs> um, yeah, so is the communication going on? One would think that there is because when the Jaguars, you know, they had their uh, the end of the season kind of presser a little bit, Dave Caldwell spoke. Um, what did he say? He said that signing Yannick Ngakwe is the top priority. So yeah. I'm taking Dave at his word. I think when Dave says something, I think it, it holds value. So um, I do believe Dave in thinking that they are trying to sign, sign Ngakwe. Um, I also do believe that you can point the finger at Coughlin and kind of make him the scapegoat and says, hey, listen, man, we're, we're behind you. Like, if you go back to the press conferences of, you know, Todd Walsh, if you go back to the press conferences of Doug Marone, I mean, they sing high praise of Yannick Ngakwe 24-7. So you know that they want him there. The question comes, though. Yes, you can try to point the finger at Tom Coughlin and say it was all his fault. But the question comes from Ngakwe's perspective is, is the relationship already fractured? Is, yeah. is, is it too late? Right. And now you want to tack on another game in London. I don't know what he thinks about that. I really have no idea. But it just stems the question, is it too late? Yeah. You know, by the way, I will say this. There's a lot of angst right now about the London game. Mm-hmm. I've heard in the last couple months, couple weeks, they get a lot of phone calls about Yannick Ngakwe. I believe it. A lot. I believe it. And why, why, why wouldn't they? <laughs> well, here's the deal, man. I think because he's, I don't know if that surprises me. Yeah. I, know, I know, but I just don't know if fans are calling in being like, hey, man, are you guys going to sign Jan? Oh, I thought you meant call some other teams. No, no, no. Trying to trade for No, him. no, no, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Good. I'm glad okay. you clarified that. Yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah, saying yeah. when people ask about the team or ask about oh, this, or okay. even if we like going to do a show, hey, when are you going to have Jan on? When's Jan coming on? When's Jan? I'm not saying that surprises me, but it certainly wouldn't surprise me if Minshew got that kind of attention, right? Sure. Or when Jalen Ramsey was here getting that kind of attention. Mm-hmm. Those questions were being asked. That's not a surprise. Jersey's being sold. My point being, yeah, we know Jan's a big part of this football team. We all get it in here. But I think over the landscape of Jacksonville, he is maybe even more popular of a player than even the average fan thinks or knows. Sure. I, and well, and I, I, again, I'm not saying I'm surprised by that, but that is true. And it will be, if for some reason he doesn't play here at all this year, if they don't tag him or they lose him, and, and we're all assuming they're going to tag him, but at the very least, but if he does not play here, it will just be another thing piled on mm-hmm. to all this mess. And it will be ugly about that because there are people around here and a good amount of people around here that really like number 91 and know this organization should be keeping number 91. So when you want to talk about Jaguars fans, at least the ones that I've interacted with my time here in Jacksonville, two things stick out to me. Number one, obviously, is the passion. And number two is, you know, the the the, the smarts, okay? Like, the, the they're not people that don't get the game of football. They kind of understand for what it is. So when I, when I bring the passion in it about Yannick Ngakwe, Yannick Ngakwe is kind of the underdog story, right? Kind of an undersized defensive end coming out of college, gets taken in the third round, kind of an unheard of guy when he got to Jacksonville. People just kind of thought Dante Fowler was going to come in right away and, you know, be be the guy, be, be that first-round pick that he was selected to be. 
Fowler gets hurt and everything, Yannick Ngakwe steps up, and let's be honest, he, he never let go of the reins when Fowler got hurt. It, it was Yannick Ngakwe's side, then a defensive end. And I think people appreciated that because when Fowler went down, you know, there was the, all this panic, like, how do you get hurt, you know, in your first spring practice, you know, blown out knee, like, oh, man, like this team is cursed. And Ngakwe was kind of the guy that put people at ease. And it was like, you know what? Is that the end of the world? Because, yeah, we lost Fowler for the season, but Ngakwe is pr- pr- playing pretty dang good, especially for a third-round pick. So from the passion standpoint of a Jaguars fan, he fits the mold. And then, obviously, from the X's and O's, from the smarts of a Jaguars fan, well, he's a defensive end, Brent. He's a, he's a premier pass rusher. And fans understand, I think, for, at least for the most of them do, the fact that you just can't have one. All right, Josh Allen had a lot of success this year. That stemmed from also the teams being concerned about Yannick Ngakwe. And I think people realize if you lose Yannick Ngakwe, number one, you lose a premier pass rusher. But number two, you could stunt the growth of the other players on the defensive line. Yeah, this town likes the underdog story, that blue-collar guy you're saying, and uh, Yannick fits that, mm-hmm. you know. So we'll see. I mean, I, I just think we're going to talk. We talked a lot about Yannick Ngakwe last summer, yeah. point of the season. It's not going to be any different. In the next month, March 10th, I think, is an important date here as that. I mean, gosh, we're only about a month away from free agency. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Never that, stops, Brent. Yeah, that, that kind of is sneaking up a little bit quicker yeah. than, than I thought. All right. Uh, Coos, you ready, baby? We got to uh, we got to play this voicemail. So here's the deal. I get I got this voicemail. OK. And just listen to it this morning. And I haven't heard this yet. No, you. you haven't heard it. And I, I got it like yesterday. Um. I believe when we were taking calls the other day, yeah. there was a caller that came that jumped in. And by the way, I, we respect all the callers. So that's fine. I mean, they can have their opinion. It's yeah. okay whether we agree or not. That's part of what this is. Yeah. And this one caller thought, well, they missed on. He, I, I believe this is the same person that they missed on bringing in like a Tebow and even a Derrick Henry. Remember that reference? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, they, he said his piece and then we, we let him go and we talked about it briefly and then went to break. But he obviously wasn't done and had more to say like this. Yesterday you hung up on me before you could even catch the point. The point I was making was Shad Khan and Mark Lansing keep saying they need money. They need money. And they clearly don't care about winning or losing. So had they signed Tim Tebow, they would have instantly created a waiting list for season tickets. They would have instantly sold millions and millions of dollars worth of merchandise, and they would have gotten the money they wanted. But, of course, they would rather hire pathetic, no-talent losers like Austin Lane to play for their pathetic losing football team, while little weasels like you kiss their ass and refuse to hold them accountable for the garbage they put on the fans in this area. So why don't you and Austin Lane go right on back where you came from before you dismiss a man with the honor and integrity and talent like Tim Tebow? (laughs) Number one, hey, go back where I came from. Easy on that one a little bit. I'm not saying I'm taking it a little uh, aggressively, but that could be misinterpreted. Yeah, it could be. That's a... A little bit of you people. Yeah, a little, little bit of you people, but, not, not the good way. But he kind of grouped me into it, too. Yeah, so, <laughs> first of all, you, man. Well, first of all, I want to know, are you mentally tough enough to handle what was just said about hey, you? Hey, do you see, I mean, if you watch the video, you see my face right now? Listen, <laughs> I, I honestly don't really care what that dude said. I'll, I'll be honest with you, and I hope he's listening. I, I really hope he does. 
from the perspective of when the hype was here to sign Tim Tebow, Shad Khan wasn't even the owner yet, okay? This was more of the Weaver transition to Shad Khan. And I distinctly remember getting a lot of respect for Dave Caldwell because he came out and said, not even if he's released, we're yeah, not going to sign even Tim if he's Tebow. Released. Even if he's released. Thank you very much. And I'll be honest with you. Millions and millions and millions of dollars to watch Tim Tebow. Okay, so you're going to bring your son, you're going to bring the whole family, you're going to get in the car, you're going to tailgate, um, maybe go over some scriptures if you're into that kind of thing. Hey, more power to you, man. Uh, I'm all for religion if, if you're into it. You're going to go watch the game, you're going to go sit in your stands, and you're going to watch Tim Tebow maybe come in for two Wildcat plays, and then you're going to watch him go back out. And you're going you're to watch that over and over and over again. And you're going to generate millions and millions and millions of dollars because of that? That's going to sustain you through the dark ages of the Jacksonville Jaguars? Excuse me? Yeah, it's going to look good for maybe one or two games. But guess what, man? Tim Tebow wasn't playing, dude. Okay? I would have took Blaine Gabbert over Tim Tebow. And there I said it. And guess what other players in the locker room thought about Tim Tebow? They didn't want him there. Okay? Because the guy was a distraction. So you may be concerned about gaining the revenue for the city. Why are you making this phone and call get, ripping into Tebow? Uh, I'm liberal to everybody, man. <laughs> Brent, you're up next this way, man. I got something for you, too, if you well, want to get like in the way. I already ripped into me. I'm trying to handle this no, over here. I'm just saying, man. I know a lot of guys in that locker room, too. Offensive linemen, I can name any names. They didn't want to block for Tim Tebow. They didn't want Tim Tebow in the locker room because of the distractions that he brought. And we all thought collectively, and I'm not saying every single player in the NFL, but at least the guys that I talked to thought that the talent didn't outweigh the distractions. So from your perspective, the Jaguars made a mistake by not getting Tim Tebow. Well, to be fair, sir, we'd be in the same boat right now, right? Because he wasn't going to last another two or three years. He was going to be out of the league because he didn't want to play fullback or tight end. He went to go play baseball. So what are you really talking about, sir? Well, with that being said, he was talking about also, uh, I think, the, the revenue was, part. Is, is this Brent's uncle that called in or something? I'm not defending. Okay. Uh, but hey, he was talking about the revenue portion, not the on-field stuff. Yeah. But, Which, but, but to your point, it would have been short-lived. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been a short-lived yeah. thing. And and the Jags tested the waters on that. We were just talking about this. You know, if you go all the way back, it was Shad Khan's like early on. Mm-hmm. And this was the whole Gene Smith and Mike Malarkey, you know, uh, regime. Yeah. And they said, listen... We're not going to guarantee he's going to come in here and play all those things. Tim had a choice, ended up picking the Jets. But the Jags didn't go over the top on that. And and I think Shad Khan referenced some of those things for a reason to try it out. Yeah. But the football side said, no way, we're not we're not doing it because yeah. we don't think it's going to benefit. Well, I'd always heard it added more pressure to that regime because they had basically told Shad Khan, no, we don't need that. Mm-hmm. We don't need that. Well, then they go 2-14 and 14 and you see what happens. But um, anyway, I thought you'd like that call. This wasn't really Tim Tebow related as much as a guy called saying that, well, you shouldn't have been on the roster either. Eh, that's fine. I mean, I still got my five years in, dude. I'm sitting pretty right now. <laughs> I mean, what, what do you want me to tell you, dude? It is what it is, man. Go go check my PFF rankings real quick in the run game and see where I stack up football <laughs> fan. Pretty good. Hey, high five, football fan. High five. I, go check them out, Brent. Look did they it. have PFF? Then? Oh, they had PFF. They always, or did they PFF. go back and watch you? Did you have to pay for them to do that? For this I, I, actually, I actually paid them to give me high <laughs> rankings. No, I don't know what my ranking is, honestly. I feel like it's pretty good. I don't know. All right, we have Saqib on the line. Saqib, what's happening, man? Uh, welcome in. Action Sports hey. Jacks on ESPN 690. Hey. How you doing? Hey, Austin. What up, You're dude? not tough enough for this phone call, man. You're not <laughs> tough enough. You can't, you can't handle this, bro. I am pretty sensitive, dude, man. Was, what can I say? 
That was that was the funniest thing I've ever seen heard in my life. That you guys have been on for over you know all this time. That that was that was not the part where he said go back. You know that that was stupid. But yeah. the other part was just funny. Okay. Yeah. But let me just say this: this whole two two game thing, okay, is absolutely horrible. What Shad is doing, Shad and Dave Caldwell, they haven't won for us. They haven't. Made me as a fan since 1996. Made me want to come to the Jaguars game. They haven't done anything for us. Six games wins this year. Five games before that. Yeah, you went to the AFC Championship game, and then you guys. We have we have been bad all these years since Shaw's been the owner. 38 and 90. Come on, Shaw. And then you're gonna steal a game from us, and then you're gonna think that that you Shaw said, oh, it's gonna be okay. The fans are gonna like it. No, we're not. You're stealing a game away from us that we pay a lot of money to come see you, buy jerseys, to keep me. I have a lot of jerseys. I have Blake Boyle's jerseys. I have I have all kinds of I have over 70 jerseys that I have of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I pay a lot of money for this team, okay? And, Shad, I'm sorry, buddy. I, I appreciate what you're trying to do, but that's not good what you're doing. And I hope he changes his mind after one year. Sakeem, don't, don't go anywhere just yet. Uh, two questions. Uh, did Austin make the cut on your jersey list in your closet? <laughs> Actually, do you guys remember they were selling the jerseys a couple of years ago at the stadium, like two years ago? Yeah, absolutely. Remember all those old jerseys? I have, I have Austin's jersey. I think I still have it in my closet. That's not the way Someone I wanted to you to answer autograph. that question. Let's go, Brent. Let's go, Brent. Uh, Let's right. go, Brent. Now a more serious question. That was a serious question. Sakib, I understand, uh, and you are aligned with a lot of fans in terms of that second home game. How about from the approach standpoint? If Tuesday, Shad Khan, Mark Lamping, anybody else who was talking at the time had come out and said, listen, we understand the sensitivity of this. We know it's not the uh, the the best thing for and in, in the eyes of our loyal fans. But we do believe if you trust us on this, we believe this is the best interest of this franchise long term in Jacksonville. Kind of explained it in that nature as well. Again, I'm not sitting here saying a standing ovation would have been in order, but would there be a different reaction, at least inclusion of the fans and and feeling like, OK, this is part of a bigger plan, maybe not a permanent plan type of thing? Yes, but you know what I have a problem. Yes, that would that would be great too. But you know what I have a problem with it. Both for both of you, actually for Austin because he's been in the NFL. Okay, why would the team want to sign? Why would the guys want to sign for the Jacksonville Jaguars when they gotta play all these taxes in London? Where you know I'm sure Austin can talk about that more because he's paid taxes in other cities and states where he plays. Why would you, Austin? Why would you want to come play for the Jacksonville Jaguars? You gotta play. Taxes, what, 30% in London or something like that? I don't even know. But I'm sure it's a lot of taxes they got to pay in that country. Why would you want to sign for the Jacksonville Jaguars if you're gonna if they're going to steal money from you for two weeks in a row over there? You wouldn't want to play for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You'll play, go play somewhere else, right? Well, and listen, this is something that I was very adamant about yesterday because essentially what I did yesterday was I put myself in the player's shoes right now in that locker room. And one of the things that I brought up was the fact that what a player before going to London for a second game and then having to pay, I think it's like 17 to 20%, depending on the pay scale, um, percent tax of what you're making. And obviously the answer is no, especially now with these players being so self-aware 
where they are concerned about their money, no one in their right mind would want to go play an extra game in London and have to forfeit that tax. So it brought me to the point of if you're a player for the Jacksonville Jaguars, do you go to the NFLPA? Do you go to somebody and say, listen, we didn't sign up for this, man. We didn't have a vote on this. When I came to Jacksonville or when I got drafted to Jacksonville, I was never told I had to play two games in London and pay 17 to 20% of my paycheck for that game. I think advisors would say that too, Austin. I just think if I'm signing a big mega deal or a deal of any kind with the Jaguars, I'm not really thinking about my taxes at the time. You know, I, I don't know how many people do. I'm just yeah. being, I, listen, when I sign a contract here, I don't really think of, uh, does that put me in a 22% tax bracket or a 20? But one percent. I just. I think agents are thinking that, man. Maybe, and again, hopefully, maybe their um, advisory yeah, committee, yeah. their agents, all those will be. But I'm just saying, I don't think the player thinks about that. I, mm. I just don't. The player thinks about now, man. They're 24 years old, 25 years old. Uh, not to it, not across the board. Yeah. But I think most of them think about right now. Hey, we have James on the line as well. Let's get James in before we got to take a break. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. What's up, man? What's going on, man? Uh, you know, Austin, I. I did hear the comment, and I'm like, why is this guy throwing Austin under the bus? He, he didn't have anything to do with it. But to, to, to hit your point, Austin, the Jaguars started this fiasco before they, you know, when they got here. Let's say you move up to get uh, Blaine Gabbert, which is probably another horrible pick. Yeah. You move up, you get, uh, you know, you get a defensive end that, that's no good. Mm-hmm. You miss on players. You draft running backs who could have drafted – Again, Pat Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. There's been issues that this, this franchise and this GM have made that make people scratch their head. I mean, seriously. Uh, yeah, Leonard's a good running back, but he's not a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, I always equate it to Baselli getting in a Hall of Fame. Who would you take as the first pick? Would you take a, the, a left guard or are you going to take a left tackle? Well, you take a, a quarterback over a running back. Um, this second game in London, for 17 years I've been going to that stadium. And for 15 of those, I've sat in, in premium seats with two, my son and I. And I feel that i got a financial investment in this. And it's not Swedes or tariffs or anything, but I'm spending a lot of my money that I could do other things with um, to go down there. And I go to every game. You know, I'm hearing Bethelli say, well, if you only go to six games, it doesn't affect you. Well, I, I go to every game, including – the preseason one. So, Shad should just come out and be honest and open. Said, you know what, guys, it's about the money. It's all about the money. I, you know, I've got 8.1 billion, and I want to add on to that. You know, the team's worth two billion. I mean, twice as much as I paid for it. And London is a cash. It's a cash grab. I don't want to win because my record says so. You are what your record is, right, guys? I mean, Austin. Yeah, yeah. If you win ten games, you're a ten game winner. If no. you lose 10 games, you're a 10-game loser. You're absolutely right. So it, it was James, correct? All right, cool. So, James, yeah, I mean, thanks for the call. We really appreciate it. Um, to get to kind of your points real quick, you talked about the draft a little bit. And, yes, to be fair, the draft hasn't been, you know, 100% hit every single time. But I think every NFL team has hits or misses. Now, the quarterback position in the draft, especially in free agency, will always be tied to the GM, right? The, the, your direct outcome of a GM, if you get fired or if you get, you know, held on, is the fact that how good did your quarterback do? We're seeing it right now with Ryan Pace and Mitch Trubisky. Everyone's kind of calling for Ryan Pace's head because he sacrificed so much to get Mitch Trubisky, and let's be fair, he hasn't lived up to the standard. Um, one could be said, obviously, for Dave Caldwell as well with Blake Bortles, but Dave Caldwell still has a job. 
So I get what you're saying there. If you look at the history of the Jacksonville Jaguars, yes, there has been hits and misses. My big point, though, and, and what I have an issue with, is the standpoint of when you do hit on guys in the first, second, or third round, you don't tend to keep them. You lose them, whether it's with players wanting to get released, players getting traded, or else players just not, you're not willing to sign back. I think Allen Robinson's a perfect example. Now, I get it. You offered Allen Robinson, you wanted more money, you wanted to go to Chicago, it is what it is. But that's more of a culture problem, right? You have the culture in line where Allen Robinson wants to stay, and now, you, and now you're winning, and, and, and now you're succeeding. You have the culture in line to keep Jalen Ramsey, now you got something. You have the culture in line to keep Yannick Ngakwe and not want him to go to free agency and maybe test his you know prowess somewhere else. Now you're winning. So I do have an issue with the draft in terms of you can't keep the guys that you drafted, especially in the first three rounds. And then, you know, as far as the London points concerned, like, yeah, I've, I've kind of spoke to it on nauseam a little bit. I think it is a disadvantage, obviously, for the players and obviously the fans, too. Um, it can hurt the pocketbook, especially guys that want to go to the way games. Well, I think the one interesting thought is that James obviously thinks it's a cash grab. Yeah. I think the debate, if there is one, mm-hmm. it, again, this doesn't make it you're supposed to feel good about it or it's the right move to bring a second game. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people right now think it's a cash grab for an $8 billion guy. Yeah. I'm not as convinced of that. And I don't know if anybody, if, if you would say, is it a sustainability thing or a cash grab? Yeah. I think right now with the emotions in town, everybody would be like, it's cash grab, cash grab, cash grab. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that's the case. Yeah, yeah. Because I've told you before, I don't think they're moving it anywhere. Yeah. And honestly, yes, businessmen are out to make more money. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But we're not talking about a billion more dollars playing in London. We're about 10 million, 15 million probably at somewhere yeah. along the way. Yeah. I have a harder time thinking it is just cash grab. Yeah. But I respect people's opinions. That's what they think. And I understand that's what a lot of them think right now. I hear you. Either way, it, to me, it still doesn't justify yeah. right now to a fan losing a second home game. We take a, okay, we have to take a break. We'll, we'll come back and, and talk thing. about it. All right. Uh, well, I was going to adjust the call. I'll just cut a little we'll, quick promo. We'll play it when we come back in because okay. I want to hear it again, quite frankly. All right, good, good, good. on ESPN 690. <laughs> Of course, they would rather hire pathetic, no-talent losers like Austin Lane to play for their pathetic losing football team while little weasels like you kiss their ass and refuse to hold them accountable for the garbage they put on the fans in this area. So why don't you and Austin Lane go right on back where you came from before you dismiss a man with the honor and integrity and talent like Tim Tebow? Kuz, what was that guy's name? I actually don't know. Yeah, we don't even know. All right, well, he didn't leave his name. You know all what? I know is Comer. I want to put a weasel face mask over Brent on the stream now. All right. <laughs> so, c- calmer heads will always prevail. I got a little emotional the first time I heard it. I'm going to be a little calmer the second time. Cause you I, should. Because guess what? I'm still upset. Okay. I, I still took a little bit of heart. I don't, like being, weak. I don't like being called a loser, Brent, and you shouldn't either, man. I don't have a loser's mentality, right? If yeah. someone calls me out, I'm going to call them back out. So, here we go. Um... Allow me, because I don't know if you actually watch this, sir, or if you listen to us on the radio, but I'm going to put up my feet on the desk and be the most disrespectful person I can be right now and the most laid-back, chill individual possible because I want you to know how much I don't care what you have to say. So now, first of all, I didn't cut you off when you called in, okay? I'm not the producer. I don't control the soundboards. That's Kuz's job. I don't think Kuz really cut you off, man. You said your piece about Tim Tebow. We we have a show to run. We can't have callers take over the show. So you said your piece, and that was it. I thought Kuz did a good job there. So sorry if you got offended because you couldn't get your two cents in, but you dropped the penny, and we heard that. And guess what? Didn't like what I heard. Second of all, 
I may not have done anything in the league to you, and that's fine, but I lasted five years. I got my pension, and my 401k right now is looking extra juicy. So <laughs> enjoy that, and go ahead and marinate in that a little bit. Third of all, I'm not going to go back to where I came from because I love Jacksonville. Jacksonville is my home now, and I've you know planted my oats here or my seeds here, and I like it in Jacksonville. I love the people in Jacksonville for the most part. Not sure if you're from Jacksonville, sir, or not. I'm probably not going to take you out to Ruth Chris anytime soon, but it is what it is. And fourth of all, you called in to our show, a show that I co-host. So technically, it's some of my show as well. So you called in to me because you're listening to me to voice your displeasure. So keep this in mind. You have the power to start your own podcast, to start your own radio show if you want to. And what I want you to do is I want you to post the number when you do, and it's going to be the Tim Tebow Hour about how Jacksonville messed up by not getting Tim Tebow. Have that content every single day on your podcast or on your Twitch account or on your YouTube account, and make sure you post the number. So when I see that number, I do not call because at the end of the day, my feet are up right now. I am so casual on my show in part of my studio that I could care less what you think about Tim Tebow going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> and that's it, man. I like the some of the uh, comments we're getting. George says, that's not just a guy. That's Austin effing Lane. Oh, hey. <laughs> Coos, can, can you see my feet on the, on, the, on the thing right now or not? Also, also hard, Ginger, but yeah. Ginger said, not sure what we're supposed to be watching. All I see is a guy playing on his phone. <laughs> that was, and that was the response. The Austin yeah. Lane was the response to that. Yeah. Are you okay? I'm good, dude. Hey, how are you okay right now? No, I can hardly. Do you, did you catch go to say your piece? Like I called you a loser too, man. I actually what enjoyed every second of it. <laughs> no, he was he wasn't losing. He was a weasel. I'm a weasel. Oh, weasel. Yeah, and um, and you kiss all the players' asses. I do. Yeah. Yes. Which, by the way, if you go to locker room sometimes and see how those players look at Brent Martino, there's not a lot of that going on. I can promise you that. That's I all I'm going to say. It wasn't. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we appreciate all the comments, even the not so nice ones. <laughs> yeah. It's all good, man. Hey, I, I got to do, uh, we haven't done balling and falling in forever. Man, who are you telling? We haven't done happy hour horn in forever. Coos, you got the happy hour horn? You, you, got, give me, you got a second, Coos. I'll get you ready. I just hey, want to do it. Can, can you not call me mentally weak on Twitter, please? Well, you, you're not, you're sorry. You, you, you want to talk about an enabler. You want to talk about my own co-host trying to call me out right now. Well, I mean, he went on the big rant. He was totally offended by this. I'm not offended. I'm man. just like, taking it stride and having a drink, dude. I'm just the type of person where if you say something, to me, guess what? I'll say something back, man. We can go back and forth. It's called sparring. It's all good, Brent. All of a sudden, I lo- I, I love like if Tim Tebow is also, which he probably isn't. He's like all of a sudden, hey Austin, what do you mean you're coming after me now? That well, guy brought it up. <laughs> but maybe it was Tim Tebow in disguise. Who was on the line? South Beach Gary is oh, here okay. to say nice things about you because we had to we had to answer on the other side. We're yeah. concerned about your uh, your your. Well, from a mental standpoint Dude, here. my feet are on the desk right now. I'm feeling good. South Beach Gary, what's up? <laughs> uh, yeah, Austin, Brent, don't let fools ruin your day. He's not worth it. If you made five years in the NFL, you have my undying respect, Austin. I don't care if you were the 53rd man. I appreciate that, roster. South Beach you, Gary. You made five years, and that's a hell of a lot more than 99.9% players that played in college. I appreciate that, Gary. And, Brent, you're still a weasel. There you go. That's right. I'm still a weasel. Nothing to substantiate that. Uh, Thanks, South Beach Gary. Appreciate it. I feel like we're going to bring in, like, a sports psychiatrist tomorrow on the show to get us through the rest of this. 
Um, happy hour horn time. How about we do that instead? <laughs> Lord knows we need one. Grab a drink, get a shot, tip your star tender. Ah, very well done. All right, how about a little balling and follow? We're doing it all. We didn't rehearse that at all, by no, the way. that was good, though. Very Goose well done. Look for the Ben music. I don't know what Ben music is, Goose. <laughs> so next time, let's talk about that like in an email before we come on the show, and you don't put me on the spot, dude. I Sound good? When, I love when we teach Radio 101. Austin on the fly. I've only been doing it for a year, right? Well, I know. But right. you got to learn a little bit more year by year. Uh, okay. Uh, you want to do it first? Do you want to? No, go ahead. You do it. Okay. You, you put me on the spot. It's all good. Oh, but um, have time. I can no, do it. You know what? And listen, man. Uh, shout out to to Action News Jacks and Action Sports Jacks because this article actually popped up in my news feed on Facebook a couple days ago, and it's actually relating to one of my homies that I've trained with before, and that is. Uh, Anna Bradshaw, who um, was the the for, first woman in Jacksonville in I think the districts to actually win first place yeah, in a wrestling cool. tournament. Yeah. yeah, so she beat all the boys, by the way, yeah. which is badass in itself. But um, yes, yeah, I've actually rolled jujitsu with her a couple times. She's really? she's legit, obviously, uh, really cool person. I think she's a junior now, going into her senior year next year. But a fantastic wrestler. Cool. I didn't know that. And, and, and I was happy to see her, uh, you know, try to get some spotlights, what, what she what she deserves because she puts the work in and everything like that. So shout out to Anna Bradshaw, man. And by the way, apologies to if your son got beat by her. I don't know what I would tell my son if he got beat by a girl in wrestling. I mean, hey, I get it happens, but I'm sure my wife would be like, this is a good teaching lesson for you, Ronan. Like you got beat by a girl because girls can do anything. And I would probably be from the standpoint of we have to change schools right now. We have to get out of the state and we need to go someplace else because this is going to follow us wherever we go. But props to Anna Bradshaw. That's the real story right there. I'm glad you brought that up, though, because it does. We were talking about this in the sports office when we saw that story. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how do you feel about that? Like, how do you feel? Not about, see, I don't, I think you have respect for opponents in, in any sport. I think if to. there's a, if there's a female golfer and she's better than, I mean, it doesn't do, she's better than me or whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, we all went to school with boys or girls that were smarter than us and that didn't seem to bother anybody. Yep. I think it's more like that sport in particular because there is so much grappling and it's strength. I it, mean, let's it, be honest, it's strength. Well, yeah, but yeah. I mean, what – the reality is, is it difficult to be in the boys' spot mm -hmm. wrestling against girls? And it's yeah. not a new thing. Yeah. See, I, I covered wrestling a bunch in Albany, New York. We covered a lot of high school. I mean, we're talking now 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And it was I, – I don't want to go as far to say prevalent – but it wasn't like an isolated once every three years there would be a female wrestler. Mm -hmm. And we covered a lot of female wrestlers, and some of them very good. Yeah. So like, to me, it, it doesn't even register that way to me because I've, I saw it 15, 20 years ago. This isn't like a new thing. Yeah. It might be new in Florida a little bit, or this might be a, a different moment. But females wrestling in, in high school wrestling is not a new thing. It's not. Uh, and so like to me, I, I don't I, – I think – in that sport, in that arena, I think they're kind of used to it. They've seen it. It's not like, oh, my gosh, the first time I've ever seen anything like this. For sure. You know? Yeah. So I think that kind of takes away a lot of whatever you might feel, although it's still probably a question, even from the 
the say the parent side of a female wrestler mm-hmm. and maybe the parent side of a a male wrestler yeah. in that sport. Well, and listen, I mean, you talk about, you know, wrestling at any level whether you're in middle school, high school, collegiate or, you know, in the Olympics. I mean, it it is the ultimate grind sport, right? And if you have a female if you have a daughter who does wrestle, I mean, she's going toe to toe with those guys in that practice room every single day, you know, and they're usually probably going to be guys that are bigger than her. So, from from the, the from the girl's perspective, I mean, She's she's ready for that, right? Like she she experiences every single day in practice, and I guarantee they don't take it easy on her. From the other perspective, of if if you're the male, if if you're the boy that's wrestling a girl, yeah, I, I would probably say fifty fifty, where some guys would probably try to take it easier a little bit because they would feel bad, and the other side would be like, no man, like this is my opponent, I don't care who it is, and I would probably lean more towards this is my opponent, I don't care who it is, because I, I made the mistake actually doing jujitsu when I very first started out doing jujitsu, Brent, and I was I was a white belt at the time. I went against like a purple belt. She's like four, I think a three stripe purple belt. So she's pretty legit. And we didn't start standing up because I was a lot bigger than her, obviously. So we started like, you know, we call it side control. So she was on top in the side control position. Literally choked me out with like her hand, like her cuff and her gi, they call it, her cuff. Choked me out in about 30 seconds. And I go, well, okay. Well, now I can't, everything that I've thought about jujitsu and women and strength, out the window. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well now you're getting the you're getting the full effect now, okay? Yeah. And I apologize to you in advance, but I'm not getting choked out again, okay? So I think you have to have that respect for sure, and think of it as your opponent, not if it's male or female. Yeah, and I think there's more of that thinking. I really do. Yeah. And again, maybe it just depends on your background, how often you've seen it, how rare it is. Mm-hmm. And I understand everybody's opinion can be different on uh, that topic. All right, we got to get it moving here. Balling yeah. and falling. Uh, hey, Coos, balling real quick. Give me a high. I want you to jump in because NBA trade deadline, and I know you're doing some stuff over there. But Driving Dish podcast going to be a killer one this week. Give me the biggest trades of the day in the NBA. What are people talking about right now? Oh man, people are definitely talking about Iggy going to Miami. Miami. That was a big one because of the players on Memphis taking shots at Iggy before yeah. he was traded. Sadly, the Heat do not play the Grizzlies at all the rest of the year, so we're not going to get to follow that matchup. Uh, Andre Drummond going to the Cavs is a big one. Uh, Andrew Wiggins going to Golden State is a big one. That, that There's a whole bunch of other moving parts in that one. And then uh, the Clippers were involved actually just recently. That's what I was reading about here. But they were uh, involved in a deal that's going to, I believe, send uh, Marcus or Markeith Morris to their team. Anybody change the dynamic of the team? Like Miami's having a great year, I think, exceeding expectation. Does that put them in a new stratosphere getting Iguodala, do you think? I think it, I guess it depends on how impactful you think Iggy can be. And that yeah. will be a debate that people would be on both sides on. Um, and I, but I think it will be. I think it will be. I also think the, and I know, Austin, you're not going to like this. I think the, the players that the Sixers picked up, they picked up shooters, which is exactly what the team needed. So hopefully that can give them a spark and kind of take them out of this, like, sort of slump they're in at the moment. Buck Sixers tonight, Brent. Ooh. Bring your popcorn, Bucks. Giannis, I like it. Seventy six has been highly disappointing. They don't have TJ right. McConnell anymore. Will, didn't the Sixers point. beat him last time though? On Christmas, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. It's NBA. You can win some, you lose some. I, I, I got to get to this fallen. <laughs> the Super Bowl halftime show may keep a Christian man out of heaven, and that man is now preparing to sue the National Football League for damages, eight hundred and sixty-seven trillion dollars. He's going to sue the NFL for. This guy is a host of the Past the Salt Live webcast. And he says, I think we ought to sue. Would that have to him show? Would that have been rated PG? Were there any warnings that your 12-year-old son, whose hormones are just starting to operate, was there any warning that he was going to see might cause him to get excited? Nice. <laughs> $876 trillion. 
Hey, and hey, so, sir. Because he, he claims it will keep him from heaven. Well, Christian it's, Brewey, our buddy from Orlando yeah. at our sister station on yeah. the TV side, says, and quote tweets the best tweet that he'll ever have. I would describe the halftime show as 15 minutes of heaven. <laughs> <laughs> well, and let's be fair, sir. Did you watch Maroon 5 last year with Adam Levine with those tight pants and a shirt off? Well, I mean, what are we talking about oh, here, yeah. sir? You're, you're not going to have been watching that either. No. What are we talking about here? Any falling for you? Uh, just yeah, yeah. Well, real quick, uh, Amon Green, former Green Bay Packers yeah. great running back, has signed on, and this is not a joke. This came out from the Lakeland Muskies themselves. Lakeland University has an esports team. Former Green Bay Packer great Amon Green has decided to coach the Lakeland Muskie esports team. How about that? What are you doing now? Amon Green is an esports head coach. He, he was quoted as saying, it's going to be an awesome idea. I have plans to grow the program and help Lakeland students grow as well. There we go. Okay, Amon man. Green, what are you doing now? Yeah, that's been what to you're Lakeland, doing. dude? <laughs> oh. uh, that's going to do it. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll do it again tomorrow. Action Sports Jacks on TV tonight, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Back at it tomorrow here at 3 o'clock on ESPN 690. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.